They're evil. Signs of evil. Alex can outact Evan. That's like saying you can outact the paper bag. Dead now. Hi, everybody, and welcome once again. The world famous. Yeah, that are hatched from a dead rooster. everybody welcome to the roundtable show right here live on psn-radio.com after a very long hiatus we're finally back on a new time slot 8 p.m eastern and uh, we're broadcasting on this beautiful july 31st 2016 with me on the panel is uh, the one and the only the the father of the show zod writer hello Hello. The original roundtable member of the show. And uh, joining us uh, this week is Chris Brown, who's live with us all the way from the West Coast. Chris, what's up, buddy? How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Just uh, getting uh, trying to cool off here in Oregon. Actually, it's cooler today than it has been in the last few days. But... You know, it's actually cooler in Oregon, I think, than it is here in Florida right now. That's pretty hot here in Chicago, where I oh, am. Oh, my it's, goodness. I mean, it's pretty... Uh, I'm, I got my air conditioner set, and it keeps... You know, going out every couple minutes, and then it goes off after it cools off. So, I put it this way: I got my air conditioner at like fifty, and I'm still sweating. <laughs> wow. wow, it is hot out here in Florida. It's really, really hot. But you know what? We have a hot show tonight. We're going to talk about a bunch of movies that have, we've seen in the last few months. We've been away for a while, and uh, we have a, a short list of members on the show tonight. It's only the three of us. Maybe we'll get Johnny Alpha to call in a little bit later. Who knows where he's at? Uh, he's probably out shooting some white people. I don't know. That's what he rolls with. I don't, I don't know. It's a weird one, that Johnny Alpha, but uh, we're going to have an interesting discussion this week because, guys, we've uh, we've all seen it now. We've you know we've been talking about this movie for months and months and months. It's been probably the most debated film in the history of geekdom, and I'm talking about the Ghostbusters remake. And we've all seen it. We set through this thing. We all have our opinions, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, as well as the new Star Trek movie, Star Trek Beyond, which is the first uh, of the new series of Star Trek movies that does not have J.J. Abrams directing it. And uh, I think it was a good movie. I think we all have kind of positive reviews on this thing. And we're going to talk about that as well, including some geek news that I'm sure we're going to get to in a little bit, other than these two things. Uh, a lot of, a lot to do with Star Wars uh, also coming up. We have uh, Rogue One coming out in a few months, and uh, there's all kinds of news when it comes to Star Wars. But I wanted to really kick it off with Star Trek Beyond, because I, I really like this movie a lot, guys. Um, to me, I thought it was better than uh, in, Into Darkness, which I loved. I, I loved Into Darkness, but I thought the action was really like awesome in this movie. Uh, the set pieces, you know, the... Uh, cinematography was just beautiful. The characterizations, uh, you know, yeah, we have uh, the uh, same similar storyline where we have a bad guy who hates the Federation and wants to kill the Federation. Similar storyline as the last two movies, but I thought it was handled brilliantly here by the by the uh, directing team. And there's very few things that I have a gripe with or you know problems with, but overall, I really really like this film. And I know you guys felt kind of similar to the way I felt in this movie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Idris Elba was okay. I would have liked to have seen him a little more in the mm-hmm. movie. I think, you know, his role was kind of minimized, and the idea of him, you know, hating the Federation just kind of came out of nowhere for me. You know, well, 
Yeah. It, it, it just like like the way like I I don't think it was sprinkled throughout the movie well enough in that regard. But I, I guess he's a good actor, and I just would have liked to have seen more of him. And that's really my major gripe with the movie. Other than that, I thought it was pretty good. Action was uh, was excellent. I mean, they really did a nice job. Oh yeah, you could tell it was Justin yeah. Lin who directed this movie. Because yeah, he's he a great action director. He yeah. definitely he oh, definitely wow. went for uh, that high octane kind of. Uh, I enjoyed it better than the the last two myself because of the action. Um, I really thought that it hit on that. It, was, it had a fast pace, and that's what I I kind of like. I have not really much money into slow paced movies, but. But uh, this one really did. It had a good beat to it. Kind of little things, or kind of couple little things. I say, mm, maybe they shouldn't have. But other than that, it was uh, hit hit, uh, hit home with me. So, now, like there's it. one bit of controversial thing, one little thing in the movie that's very controversial, I should say, and that's of course uh, dealing with the character of Zulu, uh, which a lot of people have been talking about that they made the character a gay character uh, in tribute to George Takai, who, by the way, came out saying that that was a stupid idea, and he's a gay man who came out saying that was a stupid idea. And I agree with him. I think, you know, changing a character's origin like that, changing who the character is, um, really doesn't fit well with me. I mean, you know, the character has had girlfriends in the past on the show. He had a da- he has a daughter in the uh, old canon. Maybe this is because it's a new timeline and now it's an old universe. Yeah, that's, universe. The way, that's really the only way you could look at it. Like, why are Kirk's eyes blue instead of brown? Right. right. It's, a new, it's a new, it's a new, it's a different continuity so i guess sulu can be gay in this continuity it's okay if it, as long as you know it's the prime timeline remains intact they can do whatever they want in fact as far as i'm concerned they can make captain kirk bisexual if they want to makes no difference to me him I mean, and it's, uh, it's, and spock might be getting that on the third yeah the i mean it doesn't it doesn't really <laughs> matter it's it's i mean although that was a nice touch in star trek beyond how they kind of had how they did kind of carry over from Into Darkness the relationship mm-hmm. between um, Uhura and Spock and kind right. of tried to cap it up a little bit and, and at the same time show, like in real-life relationships, that there's still lingering things between the two of them. So that was a kind of a nice touch. That was. Yeah. You know, and the reason I say that, not to be uh, homophobic or anything like that, that's not why I'm, I'm saying that, uh, it's because... Gene Rutenberry himself created the character the way he, you know, saw fit. And I hate going back and changing the original origin of a character created by the original director, or the original creator, I should say. And he had ideas for the original series to include gay characters. I mean, we're not being, you know, not being completely closed door to, you know, having a gay character. Uh, I want to be as inclusive as possible with these movies because this is set in the future where this kind of a thing is not really a problem in society anymore. You know, there's gay people without a problem. But create a new character. Create a character that belongs to the Federation that is a gay character. That's fine with me. In fact, I think the, the original idea, which we talked about it off air, was to have Captain Kirk have a nephew who was gay. And that was touched upon in the New Voyages series, uh, the, the uh, web series. That, would, I think, would have would, would been brilliant to, in, to include that character in one of the next movies. Right, and then have Captain you know? Kirk officiate the wedding like he had to right. in New Voyages. That would have been a good, a nice touch in the, in the new universe if they want to go that direction. But, yeah, I agree. I don't think that... Uh, making Sulu a gay character was really necessary. I understand why they did it. I understand their motivation, and they thought that they were doing a nice gesture to the original actor, but it all ultimately it was just an unnecessary gesture, and they got called out on it. Yeah, he called him out on it, which is funny. When, yeah. when, the, when the openly gay actor like George Takai comes out and says, that's just stupid, that tells you everything. 
Well, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't think he wanted. I don't think he wanted that character's legacy tarnished. Because think about it, he played the character that a certain way for decades. He didn't doesn't want to change that character. He loves that character the way he is. There's no need to make him a gay character. It was um, completely irresponsible. I think is the best word mm-hmm. to use to describe it on the part of uh, the creative team behind Star Trek Beyond. I will say this though: the way it was handled in the movie wasn't handled badly. It's not like that you had a really gay scene. Well, no, no, or... no, no. But that's no. But that's the whole point yeah. because they handled it that way, and they just kind of and they just kind of threw one scene in there to show you. Yeah, they did it tastefully, but still, right. it was like it was like, what? Who cares? Really, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter. It's it, it's irrelevant, which is why I think it came off as so offensive to right. uh, to Kai. It doesn't necessarily enhance the Sulu character in any way. In fact, in fact, it kind of deludes it because it changes, you know, the history of the character on a completely different level, which I don't mm-hmm. think is what he was going for. Like I said, if you've played a character a certain way for decades and you're, you know, that's, you, that's not a change you want to, want to see. So, yep. yep. Now, one thing I did notice with this movie as in par with the last two movies is the amount of action in this thing. And now, you know, Star Trek has become an action fan, you know, it's become an action movie. <laughs> yeah, it's an action movie. Whatever. Where, as the originals were more brainy, they were more, you know, smart, scientific oriented. Um, you know, even the old TV series was more about the voyages of learning new civilizations and learning about the science and the history of these new worlds. And they've kind of gone away from that and made Star Trek more into Star Wars, which is more action-oriented. Adventure, more of an action-adventure right. kind of and even Chris Pine, who plays Captain Kirk in this uh, new in this new take, uh, even he came out saying that you really probably would never see that kind of a Star Trek movie again, where it's more based on science and on the. I agree with him. I, I agree with him one hundred percent. I mean, he's not. And see, a lot of people took offense to what he said, but mm-hmm. you have to kind of think about it this way: it's not like they couldn't make a more thought-provoking Star Trek. It's just the fact that they have to, you know tailored to their audiences audiences today are modern audiences today are more into action oriented films they don't want to be drawn out by the by the science and exploration of the original classic so it's a different take on the whole on the whole star trek genre so it, that's all it is there's so many different interpretations of star trek that you just kind of have to you know, either you either go with it or you've got your originals to watch. It's right. kind of, you know. And, and, and I think of this as a huge fan of the originals. I'm a Me too, yeah. huge, huge Star yeah. Trek classic fan. I, I love the Star Trek classic 1960s more than anything. I think it's wonderful. But I, but I also understand, you know, the time that we live in. And, I, and, you know, you can kind of adapt and, you know, appreciate it for what it is. I mean, and it's definitely become an action-adventure um franchise now so and that's not a bad thing because it does at least cater to a broader audience and that's good because it keeps the the franchise alive cinematically and it keeps them them making money so they can keep it relevant yeah let's let's be honest you know before jj abrams none of these movies made a whole lot of money at the box office they were they were really tailored to their their, they yeah they were tailored to their audience it was like you you have you have a little you have a little audience that is going to go see them but what they wanted was they wanted to blockbuster eyes star trek that was what the whole idea was you know you don't you don't want to you don't mm-hmm. want to stray too far away from what star trek is but at the same time you want to be open to bring bringing in you know a big audience which is what these jj J. abrams movies have done so 
Yep, correct. Uh, I mean, overall, I give the movie a, a passing grade. I think it was a B plus movie. I give it about eight out of ten. So, I mean, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, what do you guys uh, take on it? I give it, give it a seven. I give it a seven out of ten. I, I, I think give it, it a seven some. out of ten. Yeah, it was I, like, I guess I liked it a little slightly more than you guys. Right, just a little bit more. You know, I, I I liked it. I have to say, I didn't like the other two between you and me. It's I didn't think they were that great. I mean, I, I thought they were just okay, but this one really was a lot better. Now, moving on from Star Trek, uh, let's move on to another movie that just came out recently. And I'm talking about a movie that I think universally is hated by everybody, including fans and critics alike. I know everybody here hates this movie, the Ghostbusters remake. Oh uh-huh, yeah. Now, this is the most controversial movie probably of the year. Uh, The trailer was the most hated trailer in the history of cinema, in the history of YouTube, in the history of the Internet. No movie has gotten more flack and more uh, hate from fans than this uh, Ghostbusters remake. And uh, I, I could not put myself out there and I could not go in and watch this in theaters. I could not give my money to Paul Feig and his cronies of, uh, of feminazis, as I like to call them. I, I just couldn't do it. I really could not do it. This movie was doomed from the beginning and it was worse than I expected it to be. And that's saying a lot because I expected to go into this thing after all the controversy and I expected to have myself shut up completely. I expected you know, to eat my words. I expected to go in and actually enjoy the movie for the most part. And I completely left there satisfied to the fact that I was right. That the movie was garbage. It was worse than I even expected it to be. And I, you know, I'm happy they, they just uh, recently announced the last day or so that because the movie's doing so poorly at the box office uh, they're not going to do a sequel. I'm good with that. Never make another Ghostbusters movie in this franchise the way they rebooted this thing. If they never make another Ghostbusters movie, hey, I have the first two originals to you know go, fall back and watch as many times as I want. And I love the original two Ghostbusters. I wanted a Ghostbusters 3. Unfortunately, we didn't get a Ghostbusters 3. We got this disaster by Paul Feig. Uh, but I am very satisfied with the fact that they're not going to make a sequel to this thing. It's not making money. It's, it's barely, I mean, it's not going to break even. But it's barely going to bring back its production cost worldwide, which it cost about $150, $150 million to be. Actually, it looked like $150 to produce. But yeah, it, yeah, it did look like a really low-budget uh, college-made fan film. It looked, looked really mm-hmm. cheap, but it, it cost about $150 million to make, another $100 million in, in marketing, which I don't know where that money went because the marketing was god-awful in this movie, uh, including the trailers, which were disasters. So mm-hmm. where the hell does all this money go to? I have no idea. I think Paul Feig has spent most of this money on his new suits and on uh, you know his cocaine or whatever he spent it on. I don't know what the, the blow, whatever. He didn't spend it on this movie because it was horrible. The ghost looked terrible. Uh, the action was laughable and not in a good way, just bad. The jokes, none of them landed. I didn't laugh once in this movie. Not once. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Chris Hem- Chris Hemsworth has gotten uh, the only kind of positive reviews from fans. I thought his character was horrible. Because it was a, it was like a dumbed down version of 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 a, the stupid dumb guy. It was like you know you take you know the stereotypical dumb blonde girl, make her into a guy, and that's Chris, Chris Hemsworth. He's just he's right. an idiot, complete idiot. Right, right. And but see, I, like I was telling you off of air, I think that his character, the reason why his character is being so well received and is the one positive shining light, is you could tell that he knew he was in a bad movie. And so he just hammed it up and did what they wanted him to do. He, well, he didn't go out of his way to try and make it 
make it great. And I think he succeeded in playing that dumb guy role better than any of them succeed. The female cast succeeded in playing their characters. I mean, it was just... It was because so, it was so bad. I, it was yeah. so bad to, if to even try and find something positive and actually say, "Well, Hemsworth was okay." I mean, it was just it was just bad. I mean, there's really no way to even yeah his performance too. So there really is no you know positive about it. The fact now, that he it was, was made is a tra- travesty. I yeah, think. it is. Look, he was good in Star Trek and in the in the J.J. Abrams reboot. He was good in his one you know part of the movie. Uh, he's been bad in everything else other than Thor and that Star Trek movie. And it's not his fault, but he's been cast in like movies that are just not tailored for him. And he's playing opposite of what he is, you know, his strengths are. But he is actually a pretty funny guy. And, and from looking at this movie, I could see him doing more comedic stuff if it's the right project. But the, the, like we had him in Vacations, which was a disaster. He was terrible in that. Also, <laughs> the yeah. movie was just awful, and he was you know bad in that. Now he's in this also, which is terrible. It, you know, Hollywood, stop casting him in remakes and giving him dumb roles. If you're gonna make him a comedic actor and put him in comedies. Give him a good role, give an actual good comedy that he could be good in and shine in. Because I like Chris Hemsworth, I, I think he's a good actor. Him and his brother are, are good actors that deserve better roles than what they're getting. I mean, he, you know, he's great in Thor. He's great in the Avengers. And his strength is action movies. Great. Now we know that he could do a little bit of comedy. Well, if, if he wants to do comedy, give him a good comedy. Don't give him I don't this know, garbage. I say put him in the next. Put him in the next Twenty One Jump Street movie. That could work. That actually would work for him. That that would be Maybe. a good piece for him. Yeah, that wouldn't be a bad idea for him. You know, they, eventually they're going to have to expand a little bit on the 21 Jump Street. You're not, you're not going to have the same two actors only as the leads. You know what I mean? That's not what the show was about originally. You had, a, you know, a Right, it, did, it didn't center around, you know, two main two characters. Guys. Although yeah. the TV show, uh, the first couple of seasons kind of kind of center, centered, excuse me, around the relationship between... Uh, uh, Hanson and Penhall, Johnny Depp and uh, Deloise. But as the show went on, it you know it expanded, and you had you know more characters that actually ma- mattered and got prominent storylines. So that's what that's what's going to eventually have to happen with this too, if it wants to get any better. Because how lo- how long can it be about these two before? Now my question is: Are, are, they, are they still going to do the um, Twenty One Jump Street Men in Black crossover? I heard I heard about that, but I haven't heard anything recent about that, so I don't know. I have no clue. That's a Sony project also. and Yeah. Well, Sony right now, let's just say they're not doing a very good job with their franchises. And that really seems like a weird and just a, a, a dumb crossover. I mean, it doesn't even feel properly thought out. 21 Jump Street and Men in Black. What? That makes absolutely no sense. I, I, don't, I, I, I don't get it. Do there. I don't know. I don't. I don't get it. Now, what was the the character that Richard Grieco played in the original series? Uh, Booker. Remember? Booker. Hey, Chris Hemsworth, play Booker. There you go. Well, they, right? I, I see, but they can't do that because they canonized Booker in the last movie. They had Richard Grieco appear in a cameo as Booker. Oh, that's right. So yeah, you're they right. canonized him. So, so you'd have to maybe he could be Booker's son or something. <laughs> or no, he could just play the, a similar character as Booker and not be called Booker, just as a similar character as that character. You know, I mean, that's also. A I mean, and, and, and on another note, when, in, in regards to Booker, it amazed me how they went in and they made 
Greco look just like how he looked when he was on the show. Yeah, he was a little bit older in the face, but they pretty much made him look the same. With the, they even did his hair up the same way that he had yep. it when he was on the show and everything. That was actually he still had the eyeliner on. Pretty incredible. Yeah, he looked just like the character from the from the show. You know, he was one of the very first guys to wear eyeliner. You know, and uh, <laughs> that was kind of his thing was he yeah. had the eyeliner on. But he was, he was a good actor. Yeah. Actually, I liked him in a couple of things he did um, after Twenty One Jump Street. He had um, what was that one movie? Um, man, I forget the name of it now. It was uh, the connection, like almost James Bondish type of movie. Yeah, and I'm on the. I'm trying to. Uh, I'm trying to think of it too. I, I know which one you're, ta- you're talking about. If looks could kill, yeah, looks could kill. That was good. I enjoyed it too. Yeah, I thought when I saw that movie, I was like, this guy is going to be the next big action, you know, star in Hollywood, and then nothing. He just Maybe vanished. There was something behind the scenes with him, huh? I don't know. I don't know. He just. I mean, he's been steadily working. I mean, it's not like he's not working. Yeah, he's been in, in a bunch years. of low budget, um, yeah, but sci-fi channel esque movies and stuff yeah. over the years. And he's, you know, but it's ironic that you know we we're talking about Thor and all that. He was actually in Sci-Fi Channel's uh, interpretation of Thor. <laughs> oh my goodness! Was he really? I think he played Loki, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. Wow! Really can't see that. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe they can bring him back for 23rd Jump Street. Uh, I wonder if they're going to call it that, 23rd Jump Street. Oh, wow. I don't know. That, I, I, from what I heard, they were planning on doing, trying to do at least as many of the sequels that they advertised in the, uh, in the end, at the end of 22 Jump Street as possible. Yeah, but are they so, going to keep moving, like, building, you know, building number, like, every time they do a sequel, like 23rd Jump Street, 24th Jump Street? Like, at some point, just keep it at 21 Jump Street and, and move forward, you know? Like, yeah, who knows? It's very and silly. again, it's a Sony thing. You can't tell. So Sony right now has uh, their head, their collective heads up their collective asses when it comes to these movies, and it's a shame because they have some really good properties and they're just screwing them up left and right. Mm-hmm. We already saw what they did with Spider Man. Sure, I mean, that is a little yeah. more It's, it's Spider Man is a Spider Man is a really sad. Uh, Sad situation, you know. It would have been nice to see them continue to be yeah. successful with Spider-Man. Kind of what I feel with Batman. I, you know, I'm a kind of a guy too that maybe I'm the only one that still believes that with the, when they revamped Batman, they should have brought in Robin too because no, man, uh, I no, think so. no, I think no. so. I think see, they could he, have he, eventually made reason, Robin a, cool though. And no, but there's no, there's no way to make Robin cool. There's no way to make Robin cool. Robin, look, the, the reason why Robin does not work cinematically is because it opens up questions that you don't want to ever ask about Batman. Maybe, but the original plot is Batman and Robin, and it isn't. It isn't just Batman. No, and actually, no. The ori- no, no, no. You're, you're absolutely wrong. The original plot has always been Batman solo. Robin was introduced years later because they wanted to cater to younger audiences, and that's why they brought in the Robin character years after the original character was created in the comic books. And yes, in the TV show, you had Batman and Robin, but even in the comic yeah. books, there were some of the comics which were very controversial because they actually showed Batman and Robin sleeping together in a bed. And that, to me, has always been a, like an iffy topic. And it brings up, you know, uh, there's a couple of different subjects that I really I would hate to touch upon uh, because it's just silly, but one, that's one of them. Uh, you know, there's a whole gay thing with Robin and Batman, which you don't need to have that. Uh, you know, first of all, there's that. Then there's uh, the other part that if Robin is going to play well. as... If you're going to play, if you're gonna play Robin as the little kid Robin, right? The 12, 13-year-old uh, Dick Grayson character, or 14-year-old, whatever you want to make him, then that makes a Batman a completely irresponsible adult because he's taking a child to a fight, 
to fight criminals. That's very irresponsible. That's why I would never, like, in the, in the cinematic universe, I would never have Robin involved, ever. Well, that's why even now, one in, the, in the cinematic universe, Robin is dead. They're not, you know, you, you acknowledge the fact that the character existed, but he's dead. So right. there's no, you don't have any of those I would have revamped him into a man. It's been years he's grown up. He's been through puberty. They need, they need to turn Robin into a... Into a he's a man! In the comic books, they did, and he became Nightwing, and he became a... He became a costumed hero completely separate from um Maybe if they did Batman. that and then they'd stuck them together and then they could have had him turn on turn on Batman and they that's could have fought each other too. in a movie, huh? That's already ha- well that's already happened, but well, that's already happened comic book comic book wise, but it hasn't happened in the movies yet. Mm. It probably will at some point though, because one of the Robins in the comic books, for people that don't know, one of the Robins was apparently killed by the Joker, then resurrected and he became a supervillain known as the Red Hood and went to take revenge against Batman. So there's a so there's a possibility that we could end up we could end up with something like that in the movies somewhere down the line they did do an animated movie about it which is actually pretty well done you should actually check it out chris it's called under the red it's called under the red hood it's a really good animated movie and i think think you'll enjoy it because it really does uh check all the boxes of everything that you're talking about right now yeah yeah. speak of speaking of animated movies i don't know if either one of you got a chance to see this but i went to the movies last week with my father. It was a fathom theatrical event of Batman the Killing Joke, mm. the animated movie that is Let's based talk about off that, of, yes. of the, which is based off of one of the greatest uh, Batman uh, comic books, one-shot graphic novels of all time, mm-hmm. written by Alan Moore. A ver- I had a very good time at, at the cinema seeing it. It was a wonderful experience. Uh, I know you know Johnny Alpha has some issues with the movie. You know, but I personally thought that the movie was handled very well. I enjoyed it. I liked it from beginning to end. Some of the bat, extra Batgirl stuff that was in there was not needed. I agree that I think it was just it was just extra padding that they threw in there for the you know for the storyline to go for a longer running time. Right. Because there there are parts in the Killing Joke where you could literally cut out all that extra uh, Batgirl stuff. And the movie actually will does get to the point to where the graphic novel starts, and it does the entire storyline of the graphic novel. For the it, most part, though, it was very faithful to the graphic novel. Faithful. The only yeah. stuff, the only stuff that wasn't from the graphic novel was the Batgirl stuff that was mm-hmm. added for runtime. But you could go in and actually cut that Batgirl stuff out, start the movie where the actual graphic novel starts yep. and you have a completely faithful adaption of the story. Agreed. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Like, and, and I can understand some of the controversy surrounding some of the Batgirl choices that they made, but one of the things that I think a lot of these people are not really grasping or understanding is the team behind this Batman killing joke is the same team behind Batman the animated series correct yep and Batman beyond and if people remember correctly Batman and Barbara Gordon did have a relationship in that animated series correct they were kind of building on that possibility that there might be something romantic between the two of them so therefore the controversy that's surrounding the killing joke and the bar and the barbara gordon batgirl stuff and batman isn't really that far-fetched and really shouldn't be an issue as far as i'm concerned because you can take it as being in the same universe as say batman the animated series 
Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, and honestly, I thought for an animated movie, I thought it played out as well as you're gonna you could expect for an oh animated movie. Yeah, and in so. the cinema too, and yep. it made some pretty good money too for only getting yeah. a theatrical release. I mean, I mean, I if I was Warner Brothers right now, I'd be thinking of releasing more of these animated adaptions in yep. theaters. I mean, they might as well have given. There was so much hype surrounding the Killing Joke that they might as well just given it a full theatrical run. I don't know they, why they didn't do that. It, it was stupid. To not do that. I think it was, and especially leading up to, especially leading up, you got all these people excited, you're leading up to the Suicide Squad, where people are going to see the Joker and all these supervillains. Right. The idea of taking an animated story based off of such a beloved graphic novel and, you know, releasing it, giving it a small theatrical run, maybe give it a couple of weeks. They could have. They could have brought in some millions. Hell, it might have even made more money than Batman v Superman. At this point, that wouldn't shock me. I, I really wouldn't have been shocked either. I mean, I was the people I was in the theater with, I seen there was a, a gentleman in there. He'd walked in, and he had a seat, you know, I think probably about three rows from behind me, and he had a copy of the, the graphic novel, a hardcover copy of the graphic novel with him. He had a notepad, he had a pad, and he had his, and he had his, uh, his tablet with him. I think he was. Of some sort, because he was like, because I noticed how he kept comparing panels in the book with mm. stuff that stuff that he saw on the screen, and I was I was impressed with that too because it was such a wonderful experience overall. I'm like, how could you? How would you even be focused on trying to do like a review or trying to compare stuff when you got this big screen and you got everything in front of you and you can check this out? I I, I loved it. I thought it was wonderful. I think it was one of the best animated movies since Mask of the Phantasm. I really yeah, don't yep. I really don't get all the criticism it's getting, to be honest with you. Well, the criticism, a lot of it is from folks that have never read the original book and uh, and they're just criticizing it based on what they saw. And it's look, this is not a this is not a canon version of the Batman series. Uh, this is off canon, but it's a, it's a graphic novel that's been used a lot by the modern day directors who have made Batman movies. Christopher Nolan, when he made his trilogy, he echoed a lot of the sentiments from this movie in his take on the Joker character. I mean, he drew from that character and from this book to to make his character the Tim new Burton. Joker. Tim Burton as well. Tim Burton as well. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the directors have used uh, pretty much all the directors that have done Batman have used this book as part of you know the creating of the character of the Joker. So it's it's to me it's a perfect and, idea to make this into a, a movie that actually has a full length release. And, I, I'm I'm with you. I don't know why they didn't they didn't just leave this in theaters for the whole summer. I mean it would made a ton of money. Realize, and what people don't realize is it's been canonized in comic books as well. This book has actually you know, because Barbara Gordon was crippled by the right. joke for those that don't know and it was canonized. Well a, a, a lot of the storylines were yeah a lot of the storylines were injected in into the canon, but the book itself is not canon. But a lot of the storylines have now been canonized, like they're doing now with Star Wars and with uh, with uh, General Th- uh, Thrawn, Admiral Thrawn. I mean, oh um, yeah, we're getting we're getting Thrawn, we're getting Thrawn a lot earlier right. than should be if you if you look at what happened in the extended Star Wars universe. But now mm-hmm. in Rebels, we're going to get Thrawn now, which I have no problem with because I kind of look at it as the same in the same way as you would look at at Star Wars. It's almost right. like. It's almost like they're two separate continuities for Star Wars now as well, yep. yeah, because yeah. you can enjoy because you can enjoy them both. If you like all the old stories in the books, 
And now you have, you know, the new canon that was established once Episode 7 came out. Mm -hmm. So now what's great about that, though, is now we'll get to see which characters and stuff they take from that old extended universe and bring them into the new. And I, for one, am super excited about Thrawn. That's a good, that was a good thing to bring up. Wonderful. You know, it's funny because before they announced it, I had seen a a large campaign online from fans who uh, make Thrawn canon again. You know, there's even a meme that has him with a Donald Trump red hat. And uh, it says, uh, make uh, make Thrawn canon again instead of make America great again. And uh, which I thought was brilliant by the fans, by the way. And, uh, you know, then they announced this and I was really excited and, and giddy for this because Thrawn is one of the best characters outside of the main six movies that we've gotten. Uh, one of the best characters really in the extended universe. So to have him being canon now, it's, it's a perfect thing for us fans who really were kind of upset that they, you know, removed him from the canon. So what, what makes it so great, though, is too is is they they've been giving us so much of Darth Vader in these last couple of seasons. Yeah, and so now they're gonna say, let's put the focus on this other big baddie, and who knows, we might see Thrawn pop up in some of the films. Oh, that's already kind of a uh, thing that some folks have been discussing. Uh, believe it or not, uh, having him show up in maybe uh, episode nine. Maybe yeah. episode ten. You never, because here's the thing: Thrawn doesn't age like human beings age, right? So who's not to say that he cannot still be, you know, Admiral Thrawn the way we know him later on? After, yeah, you know, to say that moves. that can't happen. I mean, he he'd been around because even according to the uh, Timothy Zane books, he had been around for you know all that time. It hadn't right. he been a character that had existed during the original trilogy. He just yep. was, was in the working. background. Behind the scenes, we just didn't know. And also, remember, he was in the TIE Fighter video game. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm excited about having him in there. And the same thing with The Killing Joke. You know, this is a book that wasn't canon, but they've interjected a lot of the mythology from that book into the canon characters of the uh, of the Batman, you know, comic books. And that's because it's a great novel. It's a great graphic novel. And I'm, I'm happy that Warner Brothers made this movie. And I'm with you, Zod, 100%. I think they should have released this in theaters for a long run. I thought, you know, I don't know why Warner Brothers is afraid to put these, uh, these cartoons out there. I, I uh, think theaters. it has to do with... I think it has to do with Mask of the Phantasm because if you remember back that when Man- Mask of yeah. the Phantasm, no, it can't, it did well. No, it, it, did, well, it did okay, but I didn't it really. Did better, make- I thought it did better than the live action Batman at the time. No, no way, the man. Live action Batman movie or something that was there, and they did the animated one. I think did did better, didn't it? I- no, no. Go check out the Mojo. You'd be surprised. It, it barely made money, but it, it, for its time, it was a big hit. For for the you know the fact oh, that yeah, it's a back then movie. you would think I mean I don't know I I don't know I I think that now would have, would have been a great time to put the Killing Joke in theaters especially so close to Suicide Squad that would mm-hmm. have been awesome that fit that would have been a great lead into the Suicide Squad completely yeah I I don't know why they did why they didn't choose the, to go that route it was actually surprising when they went when they opted for a second day but the first day that Monday night had sold out yeah. really quick so. Yeah, the uh, Mask of the Phantasm brought in a total of $5 million at the box office. Oh, wow. So it, it wasn't exactly a huge blockbuster. But for its time, you know, given it had such a limited release, 
it was considered a big hit. It only cost about a million dollars to make, so it didn't cost a whole lot of money. So they brought back money, and the video release was huge. That's where really it capitalized was on video. I think that's why Warner Brothers was like, "Well, let's just put this stuff on video." And, we'll and they've been money. doing that for de- they've been doing that right. for decades. But I, I think this release of uh, of the Killing Joke has kind of proven that these movies could be successful at the box office because look, you know, we all like you know animated movies. I love animated movies. You like animated movies. There's a lot of fans of these animated films, and animated movies are making more and more money now. It's not like back in the 70s and 80s where they would make 20 or 30 million and they would be considered the big blockbusters. Now you have movies like Ice Age that make 200 million dollars. You know, you have uh, Finding Nemo, Finding Dory that make, you know, three, 400 million dollars. So, you know, animated movies are a big hit. It's not like, you know, we're talking about movies that are going to make four or five million at the box office anymore. You know, we're talking about legit films. So if you release something like this and it's a legit movie, which this is a, I thought it was a great film, it would make a lot of money. This could easily make 50, 60, 80 million at the box office. Easily. Sure. So. Sure. And it has great, it has great word of mouth in spite yeah. of people's issues with it. There's a lot of people who really do like it. So it, you know, I, I for one feel like as far as a movie that was faithful, that is faithful to the source material, which mm-hmm. people are constantly harping on, this movie really, really did that. I've, I read one review where that was actually a criticism. The guy who wrote the review said something like, my only problem with the movie was that it was too faithful to the source material. What? That's what people want. People want it to be adapted panel for panel from the comic. What are you complaining about, you idiot? Seriously, whoever you are, you're a moron. Send me some hate mail. Wow. I'll take some eight mil also on that, by the way. I, got, I mean, that, that didn't make any sense to me. And another one, like, uh, another one that's very faithful to the source material, an animated movie that was done a couple years ago in two parts, was the animated adaption of Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns. Right. That's another one that was done very, very well that could have probably benefited from a theatrical release. When they released it on Blu-ray, in, in where they took both of the parts together and merged them into one movie, because remember it was initially released in two parts, because right, because yep, yep. of the length, because it's almost, I think it's almost three hours long if you put the two parts together. Yep. So, actually, having put that in theaters would have would have been a good idea too, because that's another graphic novel that everyone seems to like. So, hell, even Batman Year One. Which came out? That, that was, was another great, one. That, that was a great one. Yeah. Great, another good one that would have been d- well for theaters. Quite a few. One of the things that DC that a lot that people cannot really, I don't think people can really argue with. Whatever you think of the, you know, the current state of the the cinematic uh, live action films, people cannot deny that the that the animated movies are where DC has been excelling for real. Those yeah, are yeah. those are great. People really don't have that many complaints about those. And when you see all the positive buzz that these movies get, it just surprises us more that those movies have don't get theatrical releases, especially when they adapt really big and well known comic books now just to keep it in perspective uh mask of the phantasm which ran for seven weeks made five million at the box office the killing joke which only ran for what a couple days two days monday and tuesday made 3.7 million dollars at the box office so (laughs) in in two or three days they made almost as much as the other one that ran for seven weeks (laughs) yeah 
Just keep mm. that into perspective. And it was a very limited release at that. It only released, what, in about 1,300 theaters? Oh, my that. God. And it was yeah, and such a... small theaters, too. Yeah, you know, it was so, no, but, I mean, it was such a great experience. They did, they did it up, like, in the, in, the, uh, in the theaters, in the big Fathom Theater mm-hmm. uh, Auditorium, where you got the reclining seats and the, and the uh, oh. you know, and the limited... I mean, it was, it was a fantastic presentation. I have to admit, seeing seeing the movie like that really legitimized those type of events for me. I mean, I compared it to seeing a special screening of a movie at Comic Con because it really has that feel to it. And you know, the the theater was packed full of fans, people that you know clearly love the source material. And I mean, that's what it's all about. Those movies can make money, and I think it would have benefited from being in theaters maybe not the whole summer but you could have they could have stretched it out a lot longer than two days and they would have made a lot more money definitely i mean they could have played the movie out for you know two or three months seven until, eight weeks you or, know? Or, or at least or at least until suicide squad came out run it the entire week why only do two days when you've made that kind of money <laughs> you, i mean you're, you're, you're guaranteed you're going to make at least another couple million off of it yeah, I mean, it makes no sense, especially when these things cost money to produce, right? You want to make back money. The oh, fans yeah. are there. The fans want to see One it. One thing I can it. say, though, the, the, the home video release of this. Oh, it's going to be huge. The Blitzkrieg, the Blitzkrieg of advertising. As of right now, it's only available digitally, but I think it's going to be, it's about to hit Blu-ray like this Tuesday, I think. Yep. And, and I think it's going to, I think it's going to be a big, big, big seller for them. I mean, I know, I noticed by, you know, just being at the Fathom event, the way it was being advertised. I mean, there was advertisements for toys there was advertisements for the for the blu-ray buy it on digital i remember right after the movie was over they showed a documentary an exclusive documentary for the fathom thing and then after that was over they showed you know the a, co- a copy of the artwork for the killing joke and it said buy it on itunes tomorrow like they were really really pushing the marketing for this thing so i i expect them this is probably going to be one of their biggest uh, money makers as far as animation goes in a long time for WB and DC really yep. it's huge it's a huge story to have finally adapted and I think they did it well I don't I don't get all the crying I'm just I'm I, I haven't really heard much crying but I have seen a couple of you know I'm just happy to have seen it yeah well in particular you know Johnny Alpha who's not here to defend himself tonight I really wanted uh, that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to be on tonight's show for sure I wanted to talk to him about that because he had a lot of comments and a lot of negative things to say about it. And yeah, he, but Johnny's he, negative about a lot of things, let's be honest. He's, yeah, but that movie was, I mean, but how could you, I don't understand how you can be negative about that when it, it actually did follow the story. Unless you don't like the Killing Joke story, I really can't yep. see what you didn't like about it. And yeah, if you didn't like the Batgirl padding, as I, as I call it, that's fine. I mean, I can understand not liking that, but the... But the rest of it, it was all there. I mean, they just they just wanted to beef up the the runtime, so it wasn't right. like a like a forty minute movie, which is essentially what it would have been right, had right. it had that extra Batgirl stuff. And honestly, I had no issues with the Batgirl stuff in there. No, I didn't either. Didn't, didn't bother well, me at all. What did you think about the uh, Batgirl uh, Batman relationship part? Did you were you were you okay with it? It was a little bit weird because of the age difference, and somebody even mentioned uh, that Batman's a pedophile now. You know, somebody mentioned that to me, and I thought that was a little bit off. No, uh, that's a little bit but, off. Batgirl yeah, isn't how old. Batgirl, she's got to be in her early twenties, right? She's older. She's not. She's older. Yeah. She's, 
So when, when that when that comment was made, I was like, Go you Batman. obviously don't know That's the characters. Got, yeah, you don't know what they're talking about. But you know, other than that, I mean, I didn't have a problem with the relationship at all. You know, it again, it's a cartoon, it's a story. Either you either like it or not. I enjoyed it. I thought it was well made. Uh, I highly recommend anybody who's a Batman fan to go see it. Anybody who's a Joker fan. Oh, yeah, I mean, I mean, just being just being able to hear Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy together again as Batman and the Joker Epic. In, a, in, a, in a cartoon like that. I mean, come on. I mean, and let's be honest. Fun. As long as he's alive, I don't want anybody else playing the Joker other than Mark Hamill. He is the definitive Joker, and when it comes to animation, mm-hmm. yeah, he is amazing. I mean, Joker. my God. I mean, they, the last time they were together. In a in a thing was the was the Arkham games video right. games and yep. and those are video games so those don't really count but to me it's like you 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 know when you get to see a story so well done like the Killing Joke and they get two very iconic voice actors to play the roles and reprise them from the animated series I mean that was those weren't the only two that came back from the animated series Bullock and uh, Batgirl Tara Strong were yep. both all from the animated series as well. Yep. So, um, I they did. I, I did notice though that the guy that voiced Gordon was not the same guy who played Gordon in the animated series. Though, it was a different actor. Hey, you could uh, almost look at this as a sequel to Mask of the Phantasm because both Conroy and uh, Hamill are in that as well. Absolutely. So yeah. you could you could look at this a, a twenty something years later, but like they've got they had I, and I and I have to give them credit with these animated movies because they have had some terrific actors playing Batman and uh, the Joker and and various like for example they had uh yep. in in uh, Under the Red Hood the one I'm telling Chris to watch we had uh we had Bruce Greenwood a brilliant actor play Batman in that and then the Joker was played by uh his last name is Dim- I think is DiMaggio he's the guy that played he's the guy that did the voice for Bender in Futurama he played the voice of the Joker in that and he did a pretty good job yep and he and then also uh Nightwing Dick older Dick Grayson the older Robin was played by uh was voiced by Neil Patrick Harris in that so, mm, that's right yeah he was I mean it was really well done and uh he's also played uh, the Flash before hasn't he Oh yeah, he's voiced the Flash a few. I think he voiced the Flash, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't he voice the Flash in uh, Flashpoint? Wasn't he uh, the voice? Either, either Flashpoint or the one, the other one, the the one where they the animated the other animated one that uh, Justice League animated adventure or something. It was with uh, where they were where they were almost. It was almost like a Super Friends type story. But I think you. I think he voiced him in Flashpoint too. I think he was. Yeah, I think it was him in Flashpoint. He was one of them in Flashpoint. He was either the old one before Flashpoint happened, or he was the new one after the timeline had changed from the Flash from the original timeline to the Flashpoint timeline to the new Fifty Two timeline. I can't remember which one though he was, but I think he was in that one as well. Oh, and I think he voiced him in uh, New Frontier. He might have. Uh, new front, might have new been, f- yeah, it might have been him also. Yeah. He's a really, he's a, he's an excellent voiceover actor, also. By the way, I, I think the Flash is is perfect for him, though. I think he captures the Flash personality really yeah. good in animated ones, more than any of the other characters that he does. I think he's he's done, uh, and I and I also think he voiced Dick Grayson in the in the um, uh, Teen T- Justice League versus the Teen Titans, which was yep. another, which was the animated movie that DC released just before. Uh, killing joke. So, 
Here's the story idea that I would like for them to introduce in, in future Batman movies, if they're going to go with an older Batman, Ben Affleck's Batman, uh, the son of Batman, which we see now in that animated version uh, with Damian Wayne playing the uh, the young, you know, Robin. he's like he plays Robin and he's right. so and he's and he is so. He, it's so well done because the kid is just such a is such a pain in the ass, and he's and he but he's played so well, and this kid is awesome. Like, I mean, and unlike Dick Grayson, who was uh, a stunt guy for a circus uh, or high wire, this or whatever, he's actually Batman's son. Like, right? Not only that, but he is trained by Ra's al Ghul by the League of Shadows. He is trained to be a badass from the moment he's he's born. So you, you're not talking about some kid. You have to suspend your disbelief that all of a sudden he goes from a circus freak to a superhero. You, you know, there's no training for Dick Grayson. He just became one thing to the next. No, this kid was bred to be a badass by his yeah. grandfather. And, and he's totally canon. You're right. So, you know. I would love to, if they introduce that character in the uh, live version, you know, maybe I'll start getting interested again in, in DC. See, now that would be an interesting, an interesting Robin to introduce. Right. If they were going to introduce Robin, they'd do oh, it like see. that. You could, you could see that kid doing a lot of stuff. And nobody's going to question him sleeping with his daddy in the same way. I told you. See, it just all comes back to what I No, 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 no but, he, but here's the thing. Robin. It doesn't bring up any creepy <laughs> questions about them being in bed together. Right, you know? because they're actually father and son. It, right. it's, a, yeah. it's actually a, a very okay. good, a very acceptable character. It's still a little weird when he's like 14 or 15, but, you know, it's a little bit more acceptable than some strange kid in yeah. your bed. Just saying. Just saying. Yep, Guys, we'll be right back. Uh, we've we got to go to a commercial break here. It's the bottom of the hour. When we come back, we're going to talk about Supergirl and uh, the uh, inclusion of a Superman in there. We're going to talk about the suit and a bunch of other stuff the, that we got to get to. I uh, also want to give a quick shout-out to uh, a new listener on the show here who's listening in tonight, Tariq. Shout-outs to you, my friend. And uh, anybody else who wants to call in later on, please do so. The number is 786-245-8127. Again, that's 786-245-8127. You're listening to The Roundtable Show with Zod Ryder, The Jackal, and Chris Brown. Chris, we got to come up with a cool nickname for you, man. Because we have nicknames. Okay. We have no nicknames. We'll come up with something for you in the near future here. Stick around, guys. We'll be right back on The Roundtable. team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology preventative maintenance and networking support hardware and custom built computers let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly monthly or annual rates to fit anyone's budget call key information solutions now 954-973-3374 that's 954-973-3374 or visit keyinformation.com have you heard mac maloney lately in your military career did you ever see anything that came close to an unusual ufo sighting or uh, no holy shit. 
That was the yeah. Yeah. ten seconds of uh, no. What are you? That tra- was so convincing. Yeah. What are you trying to say up. there? Well, UFO is an innocuous term. That's the worst fucking denial I've ever heard. And I don't know what we're Mac Maloney's Military X Files Friday nights at 11 p.m. Eastern on the public streaming radio network. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California gold rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Roundtable Show right here live on psn-radio.com. We're going to get, keep it going here, and if you guys want to call in, call on in, 786-245-8127. We'd love to hear from you. And I want to actually move on uh, from what we've been talking about, but keep it Warner Brothers. I want to keep it with Warner Brothers uh, and this theme uh, that we we have going here. But switch over instead of Batman. Let's talk a little bit about Superman and, uh, and Supergirl. Um, as we know now, there's uh, season two of Supergirl. It's uh, you know it's already happened, right? It's already over. Season two, it's done. Canon. Season three is coming up now. I uh, know. This oh, is season two uh, coming up. This will be season. We're season two, two right? Uh, they're adding uh, Tyler Hoechlin. 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 I don't. I don't know how you pronounce his name, but he is going to play Superman in the second season. I guess. I thought it was. I thought it was the third season. I'm not really keeping up with Supergirl too much. No, it's the second season. Second yeah, season. Okay. So it's yeah. the second season of Superman. They're at, uh, Supergirl. They're adding Superman to this, and the uh, image, the first image of Superman, has finally hit the internet uh, with Tyler in the suit. It it looks horrible. I mean, that's my personal take. I think that's it looks the uh, that's the new Fifty Two Superman suit. Is what it is. It looks so bad. Yeah, he looks like the new Fifty Two Superman. I, I don't know. I I really don't. I really don't have much of an opinion on it. Ba- just based off of that, all I can say is, yeah, I look at that and I see New Fifty Two. New Fifty Two didn't survive. So why are they I using mean, it now? Why are they using the New Fifty Two Superman? I don't know, but that's what it is. He's the New Fifty Two Superman. Kind of, yeah, but Superman. See, the New Fifty Two Superman didn't have the the golden uh, straps on the cape on you know red. Holding the cape on the suit, uh, you can actually see muscle mass on uh, on Superman here. There's no muscle mass on him. They're probably gonna re- they're probably gonna. Uh, he looks like alter, super skinny man. Alter the like. suit as they go along too, and yeah, and it would do it wouldn't do Tyler too bad to spend some time in the gym either. You know, I mean, come on, man. No, he's no. actually in good shape. It's just the suit that they picked really <laughs> restricts his, you know, his actual build. It makes him look skinnier than what he is. I just, I, I you know, I just he doesn't look right for Superman. Doesn't look like Superman to me. When I see him, I see a watered down version of Brandon Routh. 
Oh no, he—I don't know. He does kind. Of, he reminds me of a comic book of the comic book Superman of one of them. I, I don't know if if you know that's how he'll portray the character, but I mean that's really what it's going to come down to. How's he going to portray the character? How is his take on Superman going to be different from all the others we've seen? I, you know, I, you know, that's my whole thing. You know, you could put any guy in a Superman costume and, you know do a picture and say, oh, okay, he's supposed to be this, but we won't know until we actually see him. So I'm not really judging him based off of the suit. I'll see him on the show. Well, have have you seen uh, the way he acts on Teen Wolf? Because he was on the Teen Wolf series. I did not watch that show. If you watch that show, you would not see Superman in him at all. He just he doesn't he doesn't he's an, he's an actor though so he I, is an actor but you know some actors you can look at him on any role and be like yeah he would be good for this role because he kind of oozes that character like for example let's go back to Tom Welling you can see him in, in the new series he's on CBS and you still see Superman you know this he still oozes the character there's you can see Christopher Reeve in uh, any movie that he did in the eighties and it still felt like you were watching Superman on the screen. Like you watch somewhere in time with with Christopher Reeves, and it's it's like you're watching a drama with Superman. Yeah, pretty much. He could have you been uh, Clark Kent, in, right. you know, in that scenario. But my thing is, why I I don't understand why they couldn't dangle the carrot and get Tom Welling to come back and play Superman in this Supergirl thing. That's the whole problem I, I'm having right now. Why not just get Tom Welling? Isn't he back with CW anyway? So why yeah. not? I don't understand why he couldn't play Superman. Maybe they're saving him for some sort of uh, some sort of crisis timeline thing that they're going to do, and where they're actually planning on using the Smallville Superman. I don't at know. Some point that may, that's the only thing I could reason I could think of for them not using Tom Welling as Superman on this show. I mean, because if you're if you're planning on somehow bringing back the Smallville universe for some sort of crisis timeline, okay, well then that makes sense. You're going to keep you're going to keep welling Superman out of it because he's, you know, known for Smallville. And if you're going to use that timeline at some point, then you need him for that. But otherwise, if they don't go that route, which I wouldn't put it past them not to go that route because they got, they're doing so good with the Flash that who knows, they might. I mean, it's a possibility. Yeah, but here's the thing. Even with the Flash, and, and I think when you when you're talking about doing these cross-universe storylines, I think they're going to use the same actors they have now. In in these uh, in these TV shows, I don't think they're going to bring back Tom Welling and have this guy play Superman also, and have two different actors uh, play the same character. Base, you know, basically, I don't think that's going to happen. Now, the reason that they picked Tyler is because uh, Greg uh, Berlanti, um, I believe that's how you pronounce him, Berlanti, right? So you pronounce his name, Greg Berlanti. Um, he wanted to work with Tyler for years. He's one of the producers of the show, and he's been wanting to work with this actor for a long time. So when him and Andrew Kresenberg, uh, they they said that this is the guy they wanted from the beginning. So nobody ever called Tom, and Tom even did an interview a few months back where he said, hey, nobody's called me. I'd love to do it, but nobody's called me. You know, because when they announced they're going to have Superman, everybody immediately on the Internet was like, yeah, get Tom Welling. That's what we want. All the fans wanted Tom Welling. But then he, they asked Tom, hey, would you be willing to do it? He said, yeah, but nobody's called me. Yeah, well. there's a there's a huge disconnect here with the Warner Brothers and with them doing what the fans want to see. You know, they 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 keep putting out properties the way they feel like they should be put out, but they don't listen to the fans when the fans are pretty much screaming in their face that this is the actor they want in the role, and they just completely do something opposite. And they do they they've done this over and over and over and over and over again. Well, like well, like a good example, a really great example would be 
Brad and Ralph. They knew for a fact they were planning at some point bringing Superman into the fold. So why didn't they just wait with Brandon Ralph and instead of casting him as Ray Palmer and the Atom, why not just make Brandon Ralph Superman if they were gonna if they were gonna do that and they weren't gonna give you Tom Welling? Right. I mean, I mean, I don't understand that. That that's my biggest problem. They even got the actor who played Superman to play another hero right. in the show. It doesn't make sense. That's like getting. That's like bringing Tom Welling back in the third season of Supergirl and giving him Aquaman and, and having him play Doctor Fate. I, it yes. just, I can't yeah. see it. I don't understand. Why would you even do that? Don't even go there. You, you know what they'll do? They'll bring Tom Welling in and guess who they'll have play? They'll have him play Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I could see them doing something like that because that's akin to what they did to Brandon Ralph. Instead of making Brandon Ralph play the Superman in that universe, they give him, made him Captain Adam. Doesn't make sense. And honestly, I would have, I would have been okay with Brandon Ralph playing Superman in this uh, series. I would too, because he pulled it off. Why not? He's already played the character. Yeah. Not only that, he wasn't the reason the Superman Return sucked. It was the writing oh. and the directing. That's the what right, killed that movie. Directing and the rest of the cast. Yeah, that's what killed it. It wasn't Brandon. <laughs> Brandon was a brand new actor. I mean, he was given what he was given. He didn't know any better. I mean, it's not his fault. They told him you have to play Christopher Reeve. Yeah, basically. They didn't let him play his own version of Superman, which is why the movie, that, which is why he's getting a lot of criticism. But that wasn't his fault. I you know I I don't understand it at all. I would I would love to have seen Brandon Ralph. I would definitely be watching all these these DC shows if Brandon Ralph was being Superman in this universe. Cuz I liked Brandon Ralph as that character. I really did. I like him as an I think he's a good actor, but I don't I, I don't get the idea of bringing him back to have him play somebody else. After after he's already played Superman, why are you going to bring him back and have him play a lesser character? Makes no sense. I do that. I mean, and, and, and it's the same thing for Tom Welling. I believe at this point we will see Tom Welling back at some point. But if we do, he's going to be as somebody else probably. And like you said, chances are it'll probably be Aquaman because, well. Well, he's got, be, he's got whitish hair now, so they can just make him blonde. Another, that would be another hmm. boneheaded move that you know DC has made. They, they, yeah, I thought they were going to do an Aquaman. Oh, they are. We're getting Aquaman yeah. in the movies. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Badly, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Make all the whales come out on the uh, land and uh, eat everyone. Huh? What's going on with your with your uh, sound, oh, Chris? Face. Sound like a fool singing to us, all romantic. Yeah, are you turning into Bane over there? What's going on? Uh, strawberries. Room, <laughs> and maybe I don't have good sound in the room. Oh, now, you, now it sounds better. You, whatever oh, you fixed. You're eating your microphone. Oh. Just, Does this give you power over us? It just for a second there, it sounded really, uh, really way out there, huh? That's an understatement. Okay. <laughs> was awesome. Now, this week also we had uh, the trailer uh, for Wonder Woman come out. Uh, the Comic-Con uh, trailer came out uh, a week ago. Now, I know you're super excited about this. Oh, uh, yeah. Wow, man. Wonder Woman. Yes. <laughs> Movie. I can't wait. Wonder Woman, yes. Movie, yes. Very, very... Uh, Chris Pine as, as Steve <laughs> as Steve Trevor. That's awesome too. That was interesting. Good casting. You know, I'll, I'll say this much: the trailer looked a lot better than I expected it to look. Um, mm-hmm. Especially coming off of the what I thought was a debacle, Batman versus Superman. I didn't like anything in that movie, including Wonder Woman. I thought she didn't do much in the movie, not enough to say she was great. 
You know, she was just barely in the movie, and some of the scenes that she was in was kind of silly. Uh, she was decent in the fight sequence, but that's about it, because she, hey, she had the Golden Lasso of Truth, right? So, cool. But there was nothing much else that she did in the film that was really worthy of going gaga over. But the trailer looked good. It looked really uh, interesting. It, it, look, it has a better director than uh, Zack Snyder behind it. So, I have a little bit of faith and hope that that's going to turn out pretty good. I really do. <laughs> After seeing the trailer, I agree. I actually was was kind of surprised too. I was like, "Well, it doesn't look like it." All right, you sound like you're far away again, man. Check your connection there. Uh-oh. Is that better? Oh. I don't know what. Yeah, you got to stop moving your microphone, man. I don't know what the hell you keep doing that for. Well, I got to move the microphone for one thing, but it is a loud microphone when Jesus. I hold on to the. Because well, I gotta hold on to the thing, and when I do, I, <laughs> why do you gotta hold on to the thing? It, your voice you have... is, is is vibrating through my my brain. Yeah, dude, <laughs> you're mentally fucking us with your voice. <laughs> no, uh, okay. Well, it's, here, let me let me. I guess work with it. Well, while you're working with that, we have uh, somebody joining us here, and it's the one and only DCS. Whoop whoop. Is in the house. Wow. Holy crap. I'm failing at life. I'm failing at life. I'm sorry. I forgot to close my stream. I'm sorry. It, it's all oh, good. Hey, at least you're not having the issues that Chris Brown's having over here. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Wow. What's going on? Are you getting abducted by aliens? You on the wrong I don't know, what, I don't know what's horrible happening. Sound. Yeah, for real. <laughs> what's up with that? What's Sounds up like... with that? I had, you started talking about my girl Wonder Woman. I had to call in. Because Wonder Woman yeah. was awesome. Awesome. What did you think about the trailer? Because yeah. we all kind of liked it. We all thought it was a good trailer. Yes, so. I, I it. did. I did, you know what? And I, I saw because I'm a little bit, I was a little bit behind on the stream, but I finally watched Batman versus Superman. Okay, and my opinion of that movie was, I felt like the entire time I was watching a movie that could be good but wasn't. Hmm. Exactly. So it left me feeling very yes. disappointed. It, it, I felt like there were so many interesting plots and stories that just didn't go anywhere. So it was literally that feeling of, oh, my God, this could have been a good movie, but it's not. Now, did you but see the I, extended version or did you see the original theatrical oh, cut? No, I saw the original. It calmed down with the extended. Like, really? I got to watch more of it? Yeah, um, yeah. Don't. <laughs> Don't do it to yourself. It's like Wonder Woman in it. I mean, because I took it for what it was. I mean, by the time I saw Wonder Woman, you know, I figured out that I was watching a movie that was not going to impress me very much. But she, for me, in Batman vs. Superman was the bright spot just because she was fun in that battle with Doomsday. Like, Batman is pretty much doing nothing. Superman is being like Mopey Superman. I don't know what the fuck he's doing. He's being all emo. And then, but Wonder Woman is like beating the shit out of this thing. So she's like the only person that I thought was actually being useful in yep. that fight during Doomsday. So I, I could have watched more of her in that movie. But yeah, I think the Wonder Woman trailer looks awesome. I am uh, Chris Pine kind of drives me crazy a little bit as an actor <laughs> because his lips keep bothering me. I know that's... <laughs> <laughs> really? So the, the acne scars in the face don't bother you, but no, the lips do? No, his lips bother the shit out of me. I know that's a horrible thing. That is just weird, man. What what does he need to do? Does he need to fatten him up or does he need to uh, thin him out? He needs to thin him out. Like, he's got, got, got like, DSLs. And I'm not judging him. Like, if that's how you roll, that's cool, obviously, because we know how I roll. But (laughs) his mouth, it distracts the shit out of me. I can't watch anything he's in. I just can't. But I thought the Wonder Woman trailer was awesome. I can't wait. 
I yeah, can't. It looks phenomenal. Look, and with this movie, they get, uh, you know, since it's set, it's a, it's a period piece. It's set, what, in the 30s, 40s, something like that? It's a period piece. Yeah, uh, back, I think, what are we in, World War One, World War II? Yeah. One, so yeah. Um, unless it, it, unless they pull a Thor where she's frozen in the end of the movie for 100 years, uh, unless they do that and they continue in that storyline, if Suicide Squad bombs or fails to connect with audiences, they can reboot the entire DCEU and go with her as the, the original first uh, superhero that you know, and and have this as canon, and then bring in a new Batman or a new Superman and whatever they want to you know do f- going forward. Because you look, Batman vs Superman, whether you liked it or not, Zod, it failed critically. It failed at the box office. It, it underperformed. Uh, the movie should have made over a billion dollars. The great thing about DC Comics and what we have to realize about these movies, Jackal, is they can reboot. <laughs> they can re. Right. They can. They can re. I mean, you can have. A crisis, and you can just wipe the slate clean. So what you were describing is very, very possible. And you know, if it, if it happens, it would fall in line with the comic books. So there you go. You know what drove me yep. even more crazy too is that I, you know what, I was not upset at Ben Affleck's Batman. You know, I I didn't think he did a horrible job. And I know we're coming on the heels of Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight. So, I mean, and besides Christian Bale's really horrible Batman voice, like I thought Christian Bale was a great Batman. So I didn't think bad. I didn't think um, Ben Affleck sucked at it. I really didn't. And I don't mind Henry Cavill as Superman. I think he's got a great look for it. He's very, you know, Clark Kenty. You know, I, I think he works. But it's just all this writing and directing is you guys are screwing up. What's going yeah. on over at DC? <laughs> well, in, in the defense of, uh, of Christian Bale's Batman voice, uh, mm-hmm. in the Batman comic book lore, his voice is described as being a growl when he's talking to his enemies, which is where Christian Bale was going with his Batman voice. It's actually connecting directly to the comic books. Well, so, I'm going to disagree with you there and say, uh-oh. why then, if that's the case, okay, if, if, it's, if it's like that, why is Kevin Conroy's Batman voice so beloved then when he does it it doesn't sound it doesn't sound offensive it doesn't it doesn't it's it's great why could Bale wasn't offensive either and Conroy Conroy yeah but Conroy did his own thing with uh, with Batman I mean his Batman is not canon to the comic books neither it's his own thing that draws from the comics but is not 100% accurate to the comics either neither is Christian Bale's neither is uh, no, no, man, none of them 100% look none of them are 100% canon to the comics there's there's been no Batman so far Live or cinematically, or in the cartoons, have been 100% canon to the comics. They've all drawn from here and there from the comic books, and that's what Christian Bale did. If you actually go back and read some of, the, especially more of the modern day uh, comics, uh, his voice is described as a growl, and that's where Christopher Nolan and, and Christian Bale came with that. And I personally liked it. I liked it because look, when you scream at somebody like that and you look like the, he was the way he's dressed, it would strike fear into somebody. But, when you grab somebody upside down, you're like, "Fear me!" Well, that, it's funny that it's funny that you mentioned that because even in the Killing Joke. They had a scene like that where Kevin Conroy's Batman grabbed grabbed uh, one of the one of the thugs that he was going after, and he actually said, "I swear, I swear." Then Batman says, "Swear to me." He did that line that Bale did, and uh-huh. Batman begins, and it was a thousand times better. Just saying. Well, that's your opinion. <laughs> it is not it is mine. Bad. Well, okay. not yeah, my opinion. I, I'm not saying that Bale was a horrible Batman. I'm just saying that his Batman voice, I think, was is is overrated. You know the way that you, the way that you describe Jack. Is my voice better? Oh my God, Chris! What are, what the hell are you doing over Chris, there? Chris sounds like you're in. You sound like you're in a refrigerator. Chris. Are you being abducted by aliens right now? What's going on with you, bro? 
even know what's going on. Poor Chris. Oh no. He, you were sounding fine earlier. I don't know what what the hell you're doing. With, stop moving your mic, man. Maybe do a reboot. Reboot usually fixes anything. I'm going to be outside. I'm going to be out. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to. All right, just, just go, Chris. Go. Just go. <laughs> said, like, yeah. My goodness. I look. Christian Bale's Batman voice never was so bad for me that it took me out of the story. I mean, no. it was. I just. I didn't think it was like amazing, but it wasn't like, oh my god, please stop talking. So I mean, and I loved. I loved all the Dark Knights. I thought they were phenomenal. Yeah. The one reason why Batman would change his voice is for, so people don't recognize his voice when he's. Oh yeah, strange. no, it completely. Duh. Yeah, makes sense, right? I, I just understood why people made fun of it because I'm like, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I mean, he did sound like he had throat cancer. I agree. Sometimes yeah, it did sound a little exactly. too much. He but you, but look, you you had a similar take even on the Tim Burton movies. It wasn't as growlish. But when when yeah. Batman came out, he didn't talk like Bruce Wayne. He always had a little bit of a growl. In yeah, his voice. A, growl, a bit of a growl and a bit of a rasp, and that's where right. I think that's where I think Keaton kind of nailed it a little better in terms Keaton, of. The I agree with that. Keaton, his Batman voice was a little bit more on point, right. even though Bale was more accurate to the comics. Keaton pulled off the voice just slightly better than Bale did, but oh, overall, I thought Bale was amazing as Batman. I thought his Batman is phenomenally, phenomenally well done. I think what you're, you've got to compare them for what they were. I mean, Tim Burton and and Keaton's Batman's, I really enjoyed. I thought, I mean, they started to get a little silly, but I mean, the first, I thought the first couple ones were really good. I still think Michelle Pfeiffer killed it as Catwoman. You cannot tell me any different. I will fight you. Michelle Pfeiffer killed it. Um, but you know, it was just different. I mean, when you're comparing, you know, the Tim Burton style to the Chris Nolan right. style, and then Michael Keaton's Batman versus, you know, I think, I think, they, I think both directors, writers, really nailed it in who they casted for the universe they were creating around their Batman. Exactly. You know, I think Keaton was perfect for Tim Burton's version of this character, and I think Christian Bale was perfect for Christopher Nolan's. Well, um, yeah, because there are two different takes. I mean, the the Keaton yeah. Batman and the the, the Burton, look, the Burton Schumacher Batman was more cartoony Batman, right? It was yeah. more gothic, yeah. And more more like, yeah. like, the, like the more, more like a of a comic booky style, whereas right. the Nolan version was more grounded in, in reality, reality and realism, and what, we, what right. we live in. Yeah, I mean, you, you can see that just from the fact that you know this Batman that the Christian Bale played had physical problems after being Batman for for, for a decade. You know, he had literally knee yeah, problems, joint problems. Up. He was messed up because of the stuff that he had to do as Batman, and he hadn't even been Batman as long as that. That's how you knew. 100% that it was reality because really a Batman doing that for a couple of years would be would that messed up in a wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, could have done it. Couldn't have done it for that long. It's been you'd have been one year and you'd have been retired. It's the shortest job ever. Yeah, yeah, no, but he, he did it for at least a, a span of like eight, ten years in the storyline. Oof, that's crazy. So just imagine jumping from you know the way he was jumping, you know, base jumping, and all the stuff he was doing, and the gliding with the bat suit, jumping into buildings. I mean, that's going to take a toll on your body. It doesn't matter. And then what the suit back, you have on. and then the back breaking, right? Back breaking, yeah. and the beatings that you're coming taking. back, that's coming back, back breaking on top of it. Like <laughs> holy wow. crap, gangsta Batman, you a gangsta. Which I think that's why I have so much more appreciation for the Christian oh, Bale yes. Batman. Because yeah. of the simple fact that, you know, he went through all this stuff and you can kind of feel for him because it's grounded in reality. Which, still, even though it's grounded in reality, a lot of people were like, well, you can't use Christian Bale's Batman in the new uh, Superman movie. No, you can. Yes, you can, actually. You really could have. And you know what? Yeah. That annoyed me so much is because I, I, could, I could completely buy that this Batman... Being stuck in Gotham this long and kind of seeing how nothing changes could be that person. I right. could, I could one hundred percent could completely buy oh, it. Oh so yeah, yeah, you could, could totally see that. 
that you could have done there, but you kind of it kind of he just farted it out. It was like Batman's branding people, and then you got a little bit of dialogue to explain why Batman is crazy, like one little line from Ben Affleck, and it was just a classic of telling and not showing me when right. you had all this time and all this money, and like this is like a central tenet to Batman. Like this is important. Like Batman doesn't kill people. So and then Batman, and then he spends a half of the uh, a, bit, right. a big chunk of his storyline in the movie having dreams. And what like what like what are you doing? Yeah, why, like, did, really? why did Zack Snyder? This was stupid. Somebody I mean, had to have said, "Bruh, this is dumb." <laughs> like, I, I don't, I don't get it. Every writer needs that person that just tells you when your shit sucks. Well, I mean, the, it, look, the writing was Zack Snyder's fault because he didn't write the movie. It was Chris Terrio who wrote the script. So, in Chris Terrio, I said it from the beginning, it was a bad choice to write this script because he's never written a comic book movie or a comic book in his life. The guy wrote Argo. Great, Argo is a good movie. Argo is not a comic book movie. Mm, whole no. different universe, yeah. Huh? yeah, and that was the only script he's ever worked on. So you're talking about a guy who's only written one script, and now you're you're giving him Batman versus Superman. Really, the guy's not proven as a writer. And I, I from the beginning, I knew it was going to be a, a complete fail, uh, and and it was. I mean, I, I said it. You know, Zod is proof of this. I said it months and months and months before the movie was ever in production when they announced that Terry was going to take over the writing from Chris Goyer, uh, or you know, I, 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 don't, I don't understand it. I, I, I just don't understand why they would get or David Goyer I should say sorry uh, I don't understand why they would get Chris Dario and bring him on board when he has no experience in this universe or in this world of comic books you know you would want to draw people that are actually writers of comic books they have written Batman and Superman in DC Universe's comics and bring them on board to help write the script why not do that instead why not bring somebody who's written some of the animated movies they know the character a lot better yeah. I mean, because it's hard because I get that there was a lot of story that you're trying to cram into two into two hours. Or have all, and, you know, I get that. I mean, people that's 120 pages and they're not even 120 full pages and not like a book. So when you're writing a script, it's got to be it's tough, especially when you're trying to, you know, fit all that in. So for some guy who just I mean, I get it. Argo was great, but you I mean, it was it's a whole different thing because yep. you literally have all these plot lines that they tried to touch upon and you, you couldn't do it. I mean, all the Justice League cameos that were kind of like you, you guys were pretty blatant with that, like for real. Like, by the way, Justice League, hello. Like, seriously. Yeah, and, and, and the, the joke you know? that I made a few uh, a few months back, uh, and I, I say it again because it's a silly, silly thing to put in the movie, is to have the logos of each one of the characters with their names and stuff on the on the flash drive. Really, yeah. so Lex <laughs> Luthor was sitting there saying, "Hey, I got to get a staff of uh, of graphic artists together to create logos for these people and give them snappy names." You know what I'm saying? You know, that's stupid. <laughs> like, come on. Like, that is downright stupid. That stuff that was just unnecessary. And when you put that in, then obviously you take time away from the story that you were actually trying to tell. And I don't – and then that's, and that's like a newbie mistake. That is literally like a new writer mistake. But, you know, I feel like somebody had final say on this script, and somebody should have said no. <laughs> no. I mean it's like they did with Star Wars. When Michael Arnott started it, they read it, yep. and they were like, no. <laughs> yeah, JJ came in, but see, here's a, that's the difference. You have JJ Abrams, who's a, a master director, who's directed big films before and knows Star Wars in and out because he's a fanboy like like us. He loves Star Wars to death. In fact, he turned down Star Wars originally because he was too much of a fan and he didn't want the experience of going to see a movie that he directed. He wanted to see it as hey, a fan. Hey, the Brin the Brinks truck speaks, dude. Yes, they they brought in the Brinks truck and they're like, please, JJ, make Star Wars. Come on, you're our only hope. And he did a bang up job. I mean, oh, look, so the Force good. Awakens was amazing, oh, so but good. but because they got a guy who was a fanboy who really loves the characters and really loves the, this universe. 
Zack Snyder's not a fan. He's admittedly said that he's not a fan of Superman or Batman. In fact, he even went on record once as saying that he was, if he would ever make a Batman movie, it would be so dark that he would have Batman be raped in prison and all kinds of different things. What like, this is a person who clearly does not understand the universe that he's making movies out of. So why would you give him that director job? And then you bring in a, a writer who doesn't know what the hell he's doing as a writer for this universe, and then you make him the writer, and then, of course, Zack Snyder's not going to be like, no, this is, doesn't work, dude. Because he doesn't care. He's, he's going to go He's the type of director that directs whatever they give him. That's that's the type of director he is. He's not a very uh, well thought out director like J.J. Abrams well, that, will take well, a script I can, you and know what? fix I can, it. I can kind of go with what you're saying on that level just because of the fact that I enjoyed the extended version of the movie more. Like if he really, you know, the general consensus is that the extended cut of Batman v Superman is the better cut of the movie. And the thing is, if he was. A, strong in his defense of his own movie he would have told warner brothers to put his extended cut but here's the thing why was it budged on that but why would you what would you say it's better because they showed certain scenes like superman saving people after the explosion at the uh hearing well yeah i i think i think that they i think that they got their you know they got their point across a lot better by by doing that and i think the movie benefited from the extended yeah but here here's where i counter that that scene added into that movie makes batman dumber Oh well, well yeah. I can, because I can, now, because now you have no reason for Bat- now you have no reason for Batman to hate Superman because Superman proved that not only is he a good guy by saving the Earth once from Zod, but also he proved that when this explosion happened, he was there to save people and he saved human lives, and he took him out of this this explosion and, and saved these people. So why would Batman want to fight him? Only because he's a moron. That's the only reason. There's no absolutely no reason for Batman to go against Superman like this at all. There's absolutely no reason whatsoever. But he did it anyway. But why now? It makes him look even dumber, which to me is more insulting to the character of Batman. Yeah, it may it might make Superman a little bit better looking in the end, but you also now tarnished Batman more. By there were so many good. Pl- I mean, and, and listen, you talking. I'm not. Now I'm angry again because ah, oh, why? <laughs> Damn it! Somebody could have just fixed this because it was weak for me at the get go. Why Bruce Wayne didn't like Superman? So it was. I was getting it, but I was like, this is kind of weak. You guys really should have made it a little bit stronger. That was number one. Number mm. two, I thought it was brilliant how they were like, Superman can't just be saving people because there are real consequences to doing that. Like you can't just go to Syria and pull some people out and not expect like the right, best. Right. Like I. I loved that. That was so awesome. It kind of was just like a side note. It wasn't even important. And then at the very end when Superman, spoiler alert, when Superman dies and then all of a sudden Bruce Wayne is now like, I failed him in life. Now I have to. Where the fuck did that come from? Which, by the way, the voiceover in the beginning was horrific. You know, like it was like so many, like Ah, so many bad things. You miss them in favor of like silly Lex Luthor and all these big action sequences. Which, by the way, Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor was the worst thing in the movie. I will say that by by far, this Lex Luthor was a joke. Uh, he was the Jar Jar Binks of the entire DCEU. I mean, he was <laughs> a horribly <laughs> casted actor. That actor is really good. So I'm yes, really Jesse happy. Eisenberg. I like him in a lot of other things. He's just not Lex Luthor. Yeah, I mean, Lex. well, that's what they gave him. That's what they, that's what the, that's what the vision was of Lex Luthor, and that's how he played it. So I mean, I wouldn't have been afraid of that Lex Luthor either. I'm like, you're a little boy throwing a temper tantrum. Get out my face. Now here, here's here's the kicker, and this is something that I, I read and found out about later on, and I was like, why didn't they just do this? Uh, he originally re- went in to read for Jimmy Olsen, Ooh. and he would have been perfect for Jimmy Olsen. Jimmy Olsen was in the movie for like 30 seconds, too. Yes, I'm- and that's another gripe that I have with the movie. Why do you oh, include Jimmy Olsen and kill him? 
And then you, right, and then you, rude. See, see, and you, it's so disrespectful to fans when you do that. When you take right. a character, I don't even like Superman. I really don't. I don't like Superman. But when you take a character as beloved as Superman, and then you get somebody to direct this movie who has no idea of who the character is, I thought it was the stupidest reason ever that Superman killed Zod in the first one. Like that was dumb. That whole like if you're gonna make Superman have to kill somebody, that reason was stupid. There was a million different things you could have done to make him stop X raying so that he didn't kill that family. That was like so weak so it's horrible so now you, you I, I, fundamentally I, I, changed who superman was in the and then in the second movie you take a beloved character give him 10 seconds of screen time and then you kill him without so much as like he's almost a side note it's so the, disrespectful to oh yeah, he's a side note in at, the, least, in the, at, least look, in the, at least in the extended cut you hear him say i'm jimmy olsen yeah <laughs> look I will say I will say this much though. In defense of the General Zod killing in the first movie, he also killed General Zod in Superman Two, the movie. So remember, he throws him down the ice, phew, dead. That's so, it. so in defense, he's killed General Zod before. Even in the comics, he had to kill him. So I'm not, I'm not upset about that per se. Um, I think I, I didn't, I never had an issue with him having to kill Zod. I think that's the only way you stop somebody like Zod, who is that hell bent on destroying the Earth. Because oh, let's yeah. be honest, he was, he was not gonna. If you, he wasn't gonna stop, you, this, if you would have put him in prison, he would have eventually gotten out, right. and it would have been horrible anyway. So yeah, you had no. Choice. I have no. I had no issues with that part of the movie. It's just the way everything else played out, which was stupid. Superman, Superman intentionally fought in cities where he could have drawn the fight out of the cities. And fought somewhere else on the planet where there's you know less casualties, and they were literally throwing General Zod and Superman were throwing each other into into buildings and blowing stuff up. I mean that to me was retarded to even put that in the movie. So there's issues I had with that, and then of course Lois Lane, who's the fastest woman on the planet, she was like on the other side of town. Next thing you know, she's in the actual building where he kills Zod, which is like ten miles away. How she did that yeah, running? Matter, you know, because it's in the you know. script, Jackal. Cause yeah, it's stupid. Because it's in the script. It's a, it's a badly, badly thought out <laughs> script. script. I mean, yeah. But yeah. but here's the thing. But you but know what? It was even cool that at the beginning of Batman versus Superman, they touched on that. Like the consequences of yeah. two super beings having a fight in the city was look at all these people that got hurt. You know, right. look at who died. I liked that. Like again, there were so many points in this movie that you could have made great and you just didn't. Because I don't know. Because you're stupid. Completely. <sighs> you know, We're, I think we should be done with Superman at this point and Batman. Moving on. Yeah, just stop. Yeah, I think I, you know, I understand wanting to reboot your characters, but I mean, you've got a lot of cool. You know, we've got Wonder Woman coming out. I'm a huge fan of Jason Momoa and Aquaman. I hope they do not mess that up because I saw the Justice League trailer and he was the he best. He looks horrible. No, he looks horrible. Look, I'm sorry. That's he not, does not look. He does so not look like good. Aquaman. Look, hold on. No, I like Jason that, Momoa. Hold on, hold on. Let me let me finish. I like Jesse Momoa fine as an actor. He looks like Namor from the Marvel Universe. He does not look like Aquaman. Arthur Curry does not look. They're anything trying like to make that. Aquaman cool, Jackal. That's what yeah, but Aquaman. Do. You can make That's Aquaman cool. Do. You can make Aquaman <laughs> cool without changing anything like Aquaman. But I'm like, oh my god. Now I'm interested in Aquaman. Yeah, but here's the, here's the thing: it's completely going against the character, even the new Fifty Two character. Like, it's, this is not Aquaman ever in the comic books. I don't know. And in the new comic books, uh, the rebirth, the current. I'm reading the current. The rebirth, comics, the yeah, rebirth. the rebirth. They're yeah. making, they're doing a good job making Arthur Curry Aquaman cool. He's kind of a badass now, so it's which is it's, fine. But but give me an Aquaman that I know from when I was a child. Give me an Aquaman that I remember as the Justice League Aquaman as a kid. Give me the Aquaman that I've uh, so, the, so the comics that I've about- read. Chris, you're talking about this would be a good Aquaman. Chris Hemsworth in the in the uh, but he's Thor. shirt with he, the, he's with Thor. The, he's Thor. Get yeah. Liam Hemsworth, his brother. 
<laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm I'm cool with that. I have no family, problems with family that. rivalry. There I have go. no problems with with something like that. That would have worked fine. And Jason Momoa, I like his, I like him as an actor. He would have been great as Namor. In the Marvel Universe. In the Marvel Universe, yes. That's what he looks like. It, it, this is a major issue I keep having with, with you know these companies. Disney is another one who just did it recently. And I, we're going to get to that in a second. But with Warner Brothers especially, where they cast actors that look nothing like the comic book counterpart. Stop doing that. Give me characters that look, or actors that look like the characters. Give me actors that embody the characters. You know why Superman was great in the 70s? Because Superman looked like Superman came out of the comic books. Christopher Reeve looked and oozed the character of Superman. He really looked like the comic book character of Superman. That's why he worked. He looked like the Golden Age Superman. That's why it worked. Even Michael Keaton, yeah, the suit looked different, but he embodied the character in the 1989 movie. You know, Christian Bale embodied the character of the 90s Superman, you know, in the in the comic book version. So, I mean, these characters, these actors, you know, were picked per- properly for the characters, but Warner Brothers has completely done a, a 180 on this, and they've completely gone opposite of what, you know, the characters are. Or 380, yeah. They completely just completely gone opposite to what we know as canon and what we grew up with that's upsetting to me as a fan of, of the properties that we're talking about here and to be honest with you i don't think you know that jason momoa's aquaman is going to be that much of a badass because he's going to have very little screen time yeah he'll probably be a little bit of a badass but it, it's still aquaman aquaman is not supposed to be that much of a badass hey, hey, he could talk to the fishes man that's why he's not that much that's, of a badass that's a cool power dude <laughs> Outside of land, not so much. Crystal, that's what's gonna happen. Sharknado is coming to the Justice League because of Aquaman. Watch. Oh yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Crystal, did you get a chance to see the Killing Joke? No, I did not. Okay. I'm sorry. You, you were sounded really excited. Now I'm really sad. I didn't watch it. You should watch it. It's really good. Really you should good. definitely watch it. It's a great, great animated movie. I, now, I, um, I think I've read people making fun of this. I don't know. Uh, okay, I'll check People it out. Make fun of it. I don't know. Now I mentioned Disney a little while ago here on, on how they kind of like butchered something also, and I'm talking about the Han Solo casting uh, oh. for the for the spinoff movie. Uh, oh I my did, god! Wow. Alden Eichenreich, Eichenreich, Eichen, whatever how you pronounce his name. I I completely hate this casting for Han Solo. First of all, Han Solo the uh, solo movie is not needed. All right, it's, we don't need a, we don't need a spinoff solo movie. Like, uh, I like Han Solo. Yes, Han Solo. Why? Yeah, there's no need. There's no need. Look, there's certain things about characters that I want left alone. Han Solo is one of those things where his past, I don't want to see his past. I want to have that as a mystery. So when we meet him in A New Hope, it's a mysterious character that we don't know anything about him. That makes him his character even more like entertaining to watch because you don't know where he's going to go, if he's going to be good or bad. Now when you introduce a backstory for, for future generations that are going to see all these movies, there's going to be no mystery when you meet Han Solo at all. You know who he is now. You know everything, everything about him because they're going to have a, probably a trilogy with this guy. And he is completely miscast. He looks nothing like Harrison Ford at all while you have Anthony and Gruber this actor who looks exactly like Harrison Ford sounds like Harrison Ford not even being looked at by Disney how does that happen this is a guy who put a, a YouTube video you know doing the lines of uh, on episode 4 and he nails it he, he sounds and looks exactly like a young Harrison Ford and when you're talking about a movie that takes place what 10-15 years before A New Hope you want a guy who looks younger than Harrison Ford did Alden Eitenreich but he still I, has to resemble the character physically right. too Alden yeah. is Alden is about two years younger than Harrison Ford was when he played Han Solo. Right. Well, he'll probably be and, less than that when they finally start filming. Like, right. Well, so, like, when you're talking about the third movie, in, he's going to be older than Han Solo. So now we got to kind of suspend our disbelief or, well, this is the same Han Solo, even though there's two different guys and they don't look anything alike. I don't want to have to do that. 
You know, right. give me a guy who actually looks like the original Han Solo and, you know, who's actually 10 years younger than Harrison Ford was. And now you have 10 years to play with with this character if you want to make these movies, which, again, I don't even think they were needed. You don't need a Han Solo spinoff movie. Right. I you agree don't. completely. Yeah, I don't I mean, think it's a Han Solo movie unneeded completely. They, they, they've set up. They've opened up a big can of worms with with Rogue One. They can they can spin off of that all they want to. That looks like it's going to be phenomenal. Yeah, and so, one one piece of uh, of news that came out out of Rogue One which I really like is there will not be a Han Solo appearance in Rogue One. Thank you. Good. He's not true. needed. He's yeah, not no, needed he's in that not story. Not needed. Not at all. I mean, you so, know, there's so many other things they they really could do. I mean, I just got done reading um Bloodline um, which is mm. it takes place right before the Force Awakens, yep, and yeah. it's like this political action. It's fucking phenomenal. They ought to make a movie out of this. It's great. Um, it real. I mean, it's a great lead up to the Force Awakens. It'd be better than a Han Solo movie, in my opinion, because it would answer some of the like some of the questions that we had like leading up to the Force Awakens, like awesomely. Plus, anytime you get to hang out with Leah Organa and she's being badass is a win for me. Correct. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which it was, by- good. It was a really good book. But here's the thing: if, if you do that movie, you know, you, again, you're recasting the original actors. I don't want, I don't want to see that done. I want to, I want to let the original actors stay, you know, as those characters. I don't so want to see I'm them recasted. The post too. Now, what yeah, I like yeah. about Rogue One is Rogue One is a completely new cast, new mm-hmm. characters based in the Star Wars universe that are going to have this little timeline that they're important and that we know happened, but we don't know how it happened. And now we're going to get to see this thing happen, this this uh, you know, this crew that went out and got the plans for the Death Star. We're going to get to now, see here's this. Here's my question for that, though. Is this the plans for the Death Star? This is the plans for the original Death Star, right? Correct. Yes. So, yes. so, there, so what yeah. Leah gives to R2 in A New Hope. Okay. Right. All right. Yeah, yeah so the, this, this movie takes place literally about, I think it was like four years before A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the timeline, in Earth years. I am so, I'm so cool. stoked for Rogue One. I cannot. And I mean, weird. the story looks great. The 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 cast is awesome. I, I like everybody involved in this movie. Oh, it, yeah. just, it, 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 it oozes of Star Wars. When you watch that trailer, I got goosebumps. And I will say it. I will say it now. And, and while I love the Force Awakens, the trailer for Rogue One was better than the trailer for the first. Uh, Force the Awakens first trailer. one, yes. Oh, the first yes. trailer. Yeah, the absolutely. first trailer, absolutely. And I love the Force Awakens trailer. I have nothing against that trailer. I thought it was a brilliant trailer. But the Rogue One trailer literally made the hairs on my hands and back of my neck stand up. I was oh, like, yeah. was I was giddy. Awesome. I was so giddy about that. It I'm feels. Not gonna lie. I teared up Star- a little bit, and yeah. then my three-year-old godchild literally watched that first Star Wars trailer over and over and over again. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Wow. It was amazing. I know it was and great. <laughs> anytime you have Donnie Yang in a movie. In a Star Wars oh, yeah. movie. Oh, and a Star Wars You know? I mean, I, come on. I hope he gets a lightsaber. I hope he's a Jedi. Uh, I, I think the storyline with him is going to be he's a, a Jedi who's blind in this, and uh, which is kind of which is uh, really cool. <laughs> like, kind of like Kenan Jarrus. Like Kenan Jarrus in, uh, in Rebels, where he's blind now. Uh, so I think you're going to go with something like that, and he doesn't have a lightsaber. Or he fights with you know a stick or whatever uh, because he's blind, and you know lightsaber with a blind guy. Doesn't sound like a good idea. <laughs> well, 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 uh, that'll work, okay? Because in the extended universe, uh, I'm going to say this wrong, but they're called Miralukas, and they see with the Force, and they are. That's Jedi. true. They are. Well, blind. this is true. This is true. This is, and even uh, Canon Jarrus in the uh, the end of the season of uh, of Rebels, he was blinded by Darth Maul, and he followed so the lightsaber and beat him. Rebels, Thrawn, y'all, Thrawn, Thrawn, Thrawn. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I got excited. No, no, believe me, I, I was even more excited when I first heard it. I literally did backflips. When I, when I saw this, <laughs> I was so happy because that's one of the greatest characters that it was in the expanded universe oh, so ever. Good. So, so good. 
to have them be canon well, again, yeah, like I said earlier, it's amazing. Bring in Mara Jade. I need a Mara Jade stat, and then I will forgive Disney for destroying the EU a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> like a that might bit. happen. That might happen. Yeah, I, I mean, wouldn't that? But okay, not we're just talking about instead of a Han Solo movie, don't we want to see Thrawn? Don't we yes, want to see that? Yeah. You know, oh my God, there were three to the books by Timothy Zahn. Like, let's go. What are you guys doing? Like, what are you doing? No, you're, you're, well, you really couldn't. You doing. can't really make those books canon because it, it'll disturb the the current canon now after Force Awakens. So you can't make that. You can't make those books, you know, canon. But you can bring Thrawn and give him a whole new storyline that okay. mirrors some of those books and has some of that, in, you know, Wait. into into the story. And that would be great. I would, I'd love to see that. That would be an amazing a spinoff movie. Mm-hmm. Hell, there's uh, there's other characters you could do spin-off movies which we've been talking about you know for a long time also at least since Disney bought the property uh you know for example Obi-Wan yeah Obi-Wan look Ewan McGregor has been campaigning to play Obi-Wan again he wants to do it Why he's the perfect age young Han Solo he's the perfect age I would think that that's actually something that we would be interested in seeing because I agree with you Jackal like the Han Solo like I don't want to know you know, I want to have this romantic, fun idea right. of how Han Solo was when he was younger. And I really, and to be completely honest, I kind of don't care. Like, I love Han Solo. Yeah, Luke. exactly. Like, he is the bomb, but how he was as a kid, like, before he met Just Luke and Lair, give a shit. I really don't. Yeah. Like, I don't want to see the Kessel run. He I don't want to see that he was a smuggler. Story. I figured he was a smuggler with Chewbacca since he was seven. I, I don't oh, care about the rest of it. You know? <laughs> you, know? Either, you know? But Obi-Wan is interesting. Like, I'm getting caught up on the Clone Wars, finally. I know. You can shoot me, but I'm Obi-Wan has a really interesting backstory. Like, I want to know about Obi-Wan. Yeah. I want to know about the missing years between Episode 3 and 4 where Obi-Wan was doing I mean, he wasn't always on Tatooine. I'm sure he was there for a long, but I'm sure he was doing other things as well. Yeah, he was, but I want to see that. Covert Ops Jedi type stuff. Yeah. Man. I want to see that, and Ewan McGregor again has been campaigning to do it. He had the, the, the most he important part is no. The most important part about it is that he is the perfect age to do these movies now. Mm-hmm. Yes, I liked him as Obi Wan in the in the uh, in the first in the first three. I did. I didn't. I enjoyed him as Obi Wan. And with them bringing and with them bringing Hayden Christensen back as Darth Vader, then it's it's great to see. Well, they they brought him back for Rogue One. He's going to be in Rogue yeah. One officially. Yep. So mm-hmm. that's cool. That's that's cool. Which I have no issues with whatsoever. I, I, I thought he yeah. did a good job. You know what? I, I, I know everybody's like suspect the first three, but I really liked Revenge of the Sith, and I stand by that. I did. I yep. enjoy. Yeah. Obviously, not not anywhere near as good as you know the original. But what I really enjoyed Revenge of the Sith. I thought it was great. I liked seeing that transformation, and I thought with you know the dictator George Lucas directing them, I thought Hayden Christensen did a good job. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> with what you know, George Lucas told him to do. Obviously, every scene, you know, I thought he did good. No, I'll go a step further. I enjoyed Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. I thought both were really good movies. Oh, Not yeah. as good as the original trilogy, nowhere yeah. near, but nope. they were good movies. In fact, Revenge of the Sith is my third favorite Star Wars movie. Yeah, I love it. I so, really and it, and it was my downfall. And it was my second favorite Star Wars movie until The Force Awakens came out, which now is my second oh, favorite Star Wars movie. Snap, that's so. Serious. So, I mean, I, I liked Revenge of the Sith a lot. I, I saw that movie like five or six times in theaters, and the battle between him and Obi-Wan I thought was brilliant. Oh, my God, that was, was so, so good. good. Oh, it was so good. I mean, can you imagine if they do a spinoff with Obi-Wan, having him confront Vader and realizing that Vader is Anakin? God, so All these good. years later? Well, he would already know, wouldn't he? Maybe not, because he left him on Mustafar, you know, to die, yeah, basically. Yeah, that's true. He did yeah, and when he became Vader, maybe but he when, hit but the... he remember he saw the he saw the tapes, he saw the uh, the hologram when, when well, you he know that he yeah, but he, that's painted. But he, he I know, but he, 
but he wasn't. He didn't see him become Vader per exactly. se. He right. saw him kill the younglings right. and, and that, do but evil that's things. Why he went to Mustafar to confront him. Right. But I thought, but I thought, and okay, I understand that part. But I thought there was a scene where he was watching the tapes with Yoda, and he seen him anointed as Darth Vader. No, no, no. The only thing he's seen, the only thing that was recorded was when he goes into the Jedi Temple and he kills the, the Jedi's that are there, the younglings. He, that's what he sees. But he doesn't there's no camera recording the Emperor's So then so then you know. Yo, so then Yoda's the only one that knows Anakin Correct. is Vader. Obi Wan doesn't know. I don't know how I don't know Yoda if Yoda, know. Yoda knows because Yoda, when Yoda goes into the Emperor's office and confronts him, he says, I hear a new apprentice you have. Right, but so right, at that point, it doesn't, doesn't mean they, they that he's Vader. And right, they don't yeah. know about Vader. I think the, what, the last thing that any of the Jedi see of Anakin is where Obi-Wan left him at you know, Mustafar, so they yeah. don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm sure you can connect the dots, because you, know, you chopped off his arms and legs, and now there's this robot dude who's, a, you know, obviously, I don't think the Jedi ass going around killing everybody. Yeah. Right, right. So I don't think <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't think that was definitely, that didn't get out. Yeah, but like in, in the in the history of the trilogy, the uh, prequel trilogy, you have multiple Sith lords that are you know the apprentices to the Emperor. So when you're if you're actually thinking about it logically, yeah, they might connect the dots, but maybe not because the Emperor has found other apprentices pretty quickly. So who's not to say they didn't find another apprentice who became Vader? Aren't we in the rule of two at this point in the universe, though? So shouldn't there only be one, the Emperor and? Right, but he found another apprentice regardless. Right. He still found true. Count Doku was an apprentice. That's true. And, uh, you know, actually, I remember reading um, – I read – I either read Sith Lords or Va- – I read a book basically that, that happens right after um, right after the fight. And there's a Jedi that fights Darth Vader, and he actually didn't know that Darth Vader was Anakin. So right. that, was a, that was a tightly held secret. Cause yeah, I but I thought – I just thought, I just thought Obi-Wan again. knew. Obi-Wan knew. No. I don't think but, even Obi Wan would know at but this see, point. But see, and, and in that case, we would actually find out if they if we got that Obi Wan spinoff movie, we would probably find out when Obi Wan finds out. Then right, uh, which I think that would be brilliant. But, have them confront yeah, each other again. No, confront each other. Confront each other. But see, but I, I don't know though. It'd be hard to have them can really confront each other because of their dialogue in A New Hope. You kind of have to keep. Their... Yeah, that's. Yeah, true. but you don't have to have Obi Wan actually fight him in a lightsaber duel. Just confront each other, uh, you know, in a moment where they're looking at each other, and, and that's when Obi Wan realizes that this is Anakin and this is what he became, and he escapes somehow and leaves, and that's the last we see of them together on screen. Like heart crushing scene. So they still that so that would still hold together yeah. the dialogue where like last time we faced each other, you were but the apprentice and I was the master. You know, it still holds that together because the last time they officially clashed would have been in in. Revenge, Revenge of the Sith. Sith. You're right. You can't. So, so they can't, they can't fight. They can't fight again. They can't fight again in in order to keep that continuity intact. There's Correct. no way they can fight. But no. they could confront each other depending on. That could be cool. Yeah. Yep. That could be. That could be heartbreaking. The more I or, watch, or the you just have him find that. out that have him just having him find out that Anakin is Darth Vader is a good. Oh would be yeah. A good, would be a good uh, on-screen moment. I think we're all uh, on board here with the the fact that it's stupid to have uh, a Han Solo spinoff movie. No, I wasn't we're excited. Like that. I, that was the only that's uh, been, like, the only either. Star Wars especially announcements. I'm kind of like, yeah, especially with that casting too. It's just yeah. like, all right. Look, uh, I saw the uh, the movie he did. Um, I forgot the name of it now. Uh, it came out recently. Uh, Alden uh, did. Um, I can't remember the name of it. But anyway, it's a movie that came out this year. 
I'll look for it in a second here. But he wasn't that good in that movie either. And I think that was a Coen Brothers uh, picture, wasn't it? Oh, you're talking about Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar, yeah, Hail Caesar. That's the one. I saw that movie, and he wasn't good in that. He doesn't sound like Han Solo or Harrison Ford. doesn't look like Harrison Ford at any point in that movie. Uh, and again, when you're looking at actors, you can look at an actor just on his regular everyday life and see if he looks like somebody. Like, I looked at Anthony Gruber, and I'm like, just by him talking on camera, he looks like Harrison Ford and sounds like Harrison Ford. So why not cast the guy who looks and sounds like the guy? And I know some of the uh, the arguments that some of the Disney people made were like, well, we're casting an actor who can play a part and make it his own. Okay, this is not what we have to no. do here. That's no. stupid because you're literally you're you're creating a prequel character to a character that is established. This is not a uh, new tale or a reboot. This is a character that exists in this canon, and you're 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 casting an actor that has to look and sound like the original actor. He right. has to. And Anthony Gruber is perfect. Anthony Gruber is perfect. I'm looking at a picture of him right now. They did a, a Photoshop manip with yep. his face in the Han Solo it's identical. Uh, uniform. He looks just like a young Harrison Ford. Yeah. It's not only, not only that. <laughs> wow. Not only that. He, he's already played a young version of Harrison Ford in, in a movie. Yeah. yeah, he already played him, and he was brilliant. The guy is a good actor. So why not go get this actor, who uh, the fans love, by the way, because uh, since he put out that video on YouTube, I mean, he has millions of people supporting him. Oh, my him. God, I'm looking at these pictures, and this is crazy. Wow, Disney, you messed up. Big time. <laughs> you messed up. That's I mean, the, this is the biggest fuck-up Disney's done. You creative license to this character. Like, no, this is not a character that you say, no. He's got it. I mean, this is Han Solo, y'all. Like, what What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> no, stop I mean, it. wow. I, I just, when you yeah, look at... the picture that I looked at, Zod. I was looking at this picture. I'm like, are you serious right now? Who did you cast? Like, come on. What are you doing? I mean, I, I don't understand what's going on with Disney in, in this particular spinoff movie because so far they've nailed it. I'm going to be honest. Rogue One was great. Uh, you know, The Force Awakens was great. Even Episode Eight looks really good from what I've seen, little things here and there and not much. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Oh, my God. But, you know, they, they've nailed that, and I don't, I don't understand how they could drop the ball so epically on this casting. I just I, It boggles my mind. Can I switch gears real quick? Because I have to ask you guys a question. Well, it's kind of it's kind of related. How do you okay. feel about the th- director for this third Star Wars movie? Well, the third, you know, what I'm saying for episode. Well, nine. how do we? Episode feel eight that? is uh, Ryan Johnson, right from Luke. Which I, I feel good about because I saw Luke right. and I thought it was awesome. Yeah, so yeah he's, I, he's I, a good I feel good about him directing this one. How do we feel about the Jurassic World director directing the third one? I'm a little no, 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 no. Well, <sighs> I will say this much: uh, he's not a bad director. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I would not have picked him to be the director. Also, I wouldn't have either. I wouldn't like, have either. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't. Not the worst choice. He's not the worst choice in the world. But I would have actually gone but back to the one and have JJ. What we no, have to remember no. about these movies, about these Star Wars movies, is that there's a formula to them. So this guy's not going to be able to go off the rails and do anything he wants. It's going to be set in place when he gets there. He's going to have to follow their follow their guidelines. So. I kind of feel like Star Wars is one of those movies where you could pretty much put any competent director there and get a good product because the movie is yeah. a formula. Who's writing that script? That's what I don't know. Uh, Ryan Johnson and J.J. Uh, Abrams are both collaborating on it. J.J. Abrams That's kind of like sure. gave him the storyline, and Ryan Johnson is yeah. doing the actual script. Yeah, so in that, so in that regard... 
I, I don't think yeah I don't think we have to worry too much about yeah. who the director is. And I think the reason this the, the Jurassic World director got this job is because by directing direct Dr- Jurassic World and it made all that money, he proved he was a competent director who could handle a movie on a big budget like that. Yep. I think that's all. It, I think that's all it boils down to. It has nothing to do with, you know, well, he's not the best director in the world. He'll follow the rules and do what he's told, so he'll get that job. No, I, I think he'll do a competent job. Again, not my first choice of director, but not my least favorite choice. I think he'll do a good enough job. Look, I wasn't on board with Gareth Edwards doing Rogue One either. After it got silly, oh, I mean, wow. I, I hate it. Yeah, movie. but Rogue One. Looks but he's. So look, it looks like he's going to nail this movie. But that and again, that too. That too looks like that was kind of a. There was kind of a formula to that. It has the Star Wars feel to it. It has that. And you know. So I like that they understand the material that they're well. They better at this point. But, well, and, you know. and Gareth Edwards, to his to his credit, he is a fanboy. He loves right. Star Wars big time. Mm-hmm. They all do. All the directors. Who yeah, they did. They got a lot of fanboys, which is so important because you want yep. somebody who's going to respect the material like that and who understands what Star Wars is. Now check out the pictures I just sent you guys on Skype here of yeah, Anthony no, Gruber. Real. That's it. crazy. What are you? You know what? Well, Disney, you can't get them all right. I guess. <laughs> yeah, they're going to fuck up once in a while. Look at the last one, the, the split image of Anthony on the right and, and Harrison Ford on the left. That's the face crazy. is identical. Their teeth is identical. Oh, my God. What are you their doing? Their teeth. <laughs> even their teeth is the same. Are you kidding me? How do you screw this guy. up? <laughs> it's the same guy. It's it's. It's it's a early reincarnation of Harrison Ford. There you that go. That is Harrison Ford's love child that he has told nobody about. That's what that right. has to be. He was in, he was in uh, where is this kid? This kid is what German. So it was a uh, it was he was in Germany at one point and of course yeah. he was. Come on, yeah. That's, was he was he born in German? I don't know if he was born there. It doesn't been. matter. I'm telling you, this is Harrison Ford. Love child, love child. It is Harrison Ford. Just like just like Arnold Schwarzenegger's. Um, Love child too. Yep. Yeah. I mean, he's the same height. Oh looks God, just look like at this him. Bottom picture. Too. This is crazy. You know. That is nuts that you did not pick this person. What and, are you doing? And he's not. He's not just some YouTuber who doesn't know how to act. The guy's an actor. He was an agent out of line, and he was great in the role that oh, he yeah, played. Yeah, and he totally That's fit as young Harrison Ford. It was just. Sorry. His that, voice that is amazing. Great, that movie is great for that reason alone. Like you, yeah. when you look at that type of stuff, like holy. I shit. wonder if they're trying to. I wonder if it's because spoiler alert. If you you haven't seen Force Awakens by now, you were failing at life. But Correct. I wonder if it's because they killed Han Solo. If that's why they're doing a Han Solo movie, like they feel like we fans are clamoring for it. And I was okay with it. I mean, obviously it was heartbreaking, especially because of how it happened. But right. I'm not like all up in arms, like oh my god, I need more Han Solo. Because, you know, we didn't even know we were going to get these movies. Like, you know, right. last time we, we used to you know, end of the Return of the Jedi, you thought that was it. That's a wrap. We're going to have to, you know, read comics and read books, and that's going to be it. So right. I liked the way Han Solo went out. So it's not like I'm clamoring for more Han Solo. I'm not. I want to I wanna learn about Rey. I want to learn about Finn. I want to know about Poe. You know, I'm, I'm cool. Right. And look, that's the whole point of passing the baton to the future generation of the of these characters and letting them continue forward with the with these movies. And, you know, every, look, everything has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And these characters yeah. eventually have to go away, and you have to continue forward with new actors in different roles. And I'm fine with that. I had no issues with them killing off Han Solo. As I, uh, I'm not going to have any issues when they kill off Luke either, which is my favorite cinematic character of all times. My favorite superhero or good guy cinematic character is Luke Skywalker. I make no secret about that. That's been my favorite character as a kid. It's my favorite character today. Just like my favorite villain of all times is Darth Vader. I make no secrets about that. So the fact that these characters eventually die is fine with me. 
Give me new characters that are just as epic and iconic, and I'm good with that. I don't need to go back now and see a, a you know a Han Solo spinoff trilogy to see the Kessel Run. I just want to hear about the Kessel Run. That's all I want to hear about. I don't want to it's see better, it. It's actually a better. It actually works better as as a wise tale told in right. Star Wars lore more than seeing it because once you've yeah. seen it, it's like. For real, that was my biggest problem with the with the prequels. The fact that you could you you know there was all this talk about it, and you, and it was kind of better as like a legend's tale. And then once you've seen it all unfolded, it kind of ruins it for you a little bit because you're like, eh. Parts of I, it, parts of it, I could definitely see that. Yeah, yeah you know, as long as a character goes out, I think in a way that is respectful to the character, you know, and fits the story, then I don't, I don't have any issue with it, you know. Yeah. And it sets so, up, the, and sets up the story to continue forward in a very oh. epic, iconic way. Because yeah. look, having having Han Solo's son Ben kill him completely yeah. now sets this character up as unredeemable. He is not somebody that you can bring back to the light side. He's completely gone to the dark side. It makes him more of an incredible badass because he killed his father. Of yeah, all things, uh, I mean that completely makes him this incredibly, you know, evil character. Darth Vader, you really right? It's darker I mean, than Darth Vader. He is. Darth Vader didn't kill his kid. He, he killed the Emperor because he couldn't kill Luke. Exactly. So he, that's why he's redeemable. Even though he killed the younglings, okay, but he didn't end up killing his son. Right. Exactly. You no, know? he couldn't do. He couldn't go that dark. And now you have Ben Solo who went that dark and no. slaughtered his father like that. And you know, in the future, he might kill Leia as well. That's something that we might see happen. And I'm cool with that because that makes him even more of a badass. I love the Ben Solo character or Kylo Ren. I love that character the way they're setting him up yeah. to be this incredible badass. And I like the fact that they're doing that with a new character and and they're not just rehashing a character and bringing him back. No, just give me new characters that are iconic and continue the story forward and i'm good with that there's no need to keep going backwards and if you're gonna go backwards, i don't know guys you know. i feel like the jury is still out on kylo ren i really feel like there's something more there's a, a deeper layer there with that character that we're gonna see more about it because we know he was conflicted about killing his father so he, he might did. not he might but not he did be it. quite as irredeemable as what you're saying he there's a reason. There's something there. Like you, you. It wow. just remember. But just think about the dialogue when he when he asks his father. Will you when he asked um, Han Solo about doing something for him? Will you? And Han Solo says anything. Will you help me? You you will. That means okay. He knew he had to kill his father in order to show Snoke that he was this he was this supreme badass, right? So therefore, right. he's asking. His father for help, and when his father says anything, his father, I mean, I, I feel like Han Solo knew that Kylo Ren was going to kill him. I think he, I think he knew it, and it was just, it was like a, it was like a thing between the two of them. So I think there's a layer that we're not, that we don't know yet. I think there's more to this character than just a, a baseless psycho badass. There's something in there, and, and I think we're going to find out with future movies, but that's what... The, the only way that I, I, I could see... The only way I could see him being uh, somebody brought back to the light somehow is if he saves Ray from death or if Ray turns to the dark side, which is something that I've heard that might happen. Yeah, yeah. I also, think we're going to get a switch. Completely badass as well. I'm totally yep. okay with that. But I don't know how Kylo Ren redeems himself after that. I'm, maybe I don't Ray, either. I can see maybe Leia finding, you know, because it's your mom, so I get that. So maybe. Maybe that's how he turns to the light or whatever. I, I don't know, though. But, I mean, I think Kylo Ren really established himself as a badass and not mm -hmm. just – I mean, I mean, just think about that last fight with him and Finn. If Kylo Ren had not, be shot, had not been shot, Ray and Finn would be dead. 
we would. Have oh, and, and no, and not only that, even, even in that <laughs> last, even in that last fight, hold on, even in that last fight, while he was shot by the bowcaster that uh, the Chewbacca was using, even though he was shot and injured, he was fooling around with them. Like he was at, at whatever like point, he could have killed Finn easily. He was messing around with them. He was, he was playing with them because he he hasn't fought with a lightsaber many people because not many people wield a lightsaber in this storyline uh, at this point. So uh, he was having fun messing with oh, Finn yeah, more than course. anything. You could tell he was he was having a good time knowing that he could kill him, knowing that he could yeah. kill him at any minute because Finn is not a force user. Great. That's such a great scene. And you know what? It was awesome too. The look on Finn's face when he after he says "Come and get it," then Kylo Ren does is amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that oh shit, what did I just do? Look is great. Right. Holy so crap! His pants. That was totally oh, so good. I kind of yeah. hope that Finn at some point develops force abilities and becomes a Jedi. In training. I, I completely disagree. I, I, I think I, I think Finn. I think Finn has potential to be a great character, but he doesn't have to be uh, force sensitive. At I all. like that he's not. I love all the jokes he was cracking. Right. Just right. use the force, and Hansel was like, "The force right. works." That's not how the force works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a and great character, character, and it's so and he's only JJ better. Yeah, like it was going to be Finn, and it wasn't because Finn is like no force whatsoever. He tried though. What you, we, what we never know. We never know if there was no force that influenced him. Because, look, he was a stormtrooper and he left because he didn't feel that that was right. Maybe the force was trying he to talk to him. Maybe. Conscience. That's what it is. He just, well, that too. But, but, here, but, here, but here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. He did certain things in the movie that he's never done before as a character. And he did it, like, out of nowhere, just like Ray. Ray never flew a ship before, but yet she could fly the Millennium Falcon. There's certain things that they both did which they've never done before. And they just did it out of instinct because something drove them to do these things. Maybe it was the Force. Maybe he is not as Force-sensitive as Ray, well, you have but to maybe remember he still has some Force-sensitivity. was not a Force-sensitive character. And yeah, but he was look at how badass he is. So yeah, but he was a, he, yeah, but Han Solo was already an older guy, and he had been around for a long time as a smuggler doing badass things. Well, true. Finn was Finn was on his first mission as a stormtrooper. You yeah, know what see, I mean? I didn't see Finn that much. I didn't see Finn doing a lot of badass things. I thought Finn had a very natural progression as right. far as his ability goes. I mean, because I mean, think about Finn gets his ass kicked most like the majority of the movie. <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> like, and, he was, just, and, mean, it was, and it was awesome. I mean, even when he's in the back of the Millennium Falcon shooting, he's not very good at it. That's <laughs> you true. know, like Ray Guys, do a lot of stuff to set him up for the shots. Unfortunately, so, we're uh, we're out of time, and we got to go. Uh, we have Rich Giordano waiting in the wings to uh, do his show. The Rich Giordano show is live now every day or every uh, Sunday, I should say, at ten p.m. Hey, wow, Rich, that'd be awesome. Now every Sunday at ten p.m., he's coming up next, and he's uh, messaging me that he's ready to roll, and uh, we're gonna get going here so we can uh, he can have the show. Uh, but guys, this has been awesome having the roundtable back hopefully next week we're all back live on the roundtable show at 8 p.m eastern crystal thanks for joining us chris brown thanks for joining us and uh zod rider as always thanks for being here and uh, myself i'm thanking myself patting myself on the back because i didn't cough all the way through this thing and uh guys we'll be back next week on sunday night at 8 p.m eastern on the roundtable show